everybody. Welcome to Hey Watch This. I'm Paul Goebel. I'm David Bax. Still here. We're both still here. Yeah. So uh, let's address it and get out of the way and then uh, get on to the more important business of TV shows. So in case you hadn't heard or I don't know who who listens to this show wouldn't know, but a couple weeks ago I tried to kill myself and I went to the hospital and I was there for a 72-hour hold. Um, but I'm out and I'm much better and things are great is the bottom line. I'm on new meds that are working, uh, not just working great, but actually working, uh, unlike my other meds and I'm going to, uh, therapy and, uh, learning coping skills and it's all good. It was a rough week. Obviously (laughs) it ended, it ended very poorly, but, uh, because I have such great friends and an amazing wife and kids and all that, I'm here. Uh, still here, so I want to thank everybody for reaching out. And uh, it was, it was. I will say this on the for reals. You know, I got a lot of Facebook messages and tweets and emails and phone calls and texts from so many different people uh, over the course of my stay, and stuff is still coming in. And every single one is, uh, you know, is good news. Is good to hear. Every single one makes it easier to move on down the line. So I appreciate all this. And David, when you're here, because you're here face-to-face, I appreciate everything you have done. And <clears throat> as a partner and a friend, I really appreciate you. Thank you. And, I, uh, and thank you and Natalie for uh, everything you've done. Mm. And your other wife, Tyler, as well. <laughs> right, he, yeah. he was uh, He reached out as well. And it was very nice. So And definitely, I mean, I'm sure you've said this, but yeah, definitely um, thanks to... Brooke, who was because you were of course uh, you were uh, unreachable, obviously for seventy two hours. So right. Brooke is who I emailed back and forth with to yeah th- uh, yeah especially yeah thanks to Brooke and Jim because uh, I guess they pretty much were the point people on that you know uh, Jim was a little more business about it Brooke was Brooke was kind of trying to take care of me as well but Jim took it upon itself to contact all our mutual friends and say yeah he's good but uh, the truth is if it wasn't for the two of them I I might not have made it so. Um, but it was just about, you know, it was a rough week and, uh, my meds weren't working and I just needed some help and I got it. So it's all good. Uh, so I appreciate it. You also got your glasses fixed. I don't know (laughs) if that played into it. No, it's weird that you noticed them because they're not, they're the same frames, but they're only slightly different. What is it that you noticed about them? Did you also get a haircut? I haven't seen you in like three weeks. Oh yes. Did you also get a haircut? A lot of things happen. I shaved my beard. And okay. mustache. Right. Actually, when I came home, I shaved just the beard, and I had a prison mustache, you know? <laughs> but I've shaved that since. And yes, I just got a haircut like two days ago, so my hair is really short. Um, but the glasses, I don't know. Were they, like, terrible? Did you come in here every week going, man, those glasses are, the sh- are just the shittiest things I've ever seen? I said, I, I, I said to myself, if I had to walk around with those glasses, I'd kill myself. <laughs> But honestly, it's true because they kept slipping and it was fucking driving me crazy. And, uh, and then when we, when I got out and came home, one of the first things I did is went with Brooke to the, back to the place I got them and the woman, uh, fixed them up for me. So they're cheap ass frames is the problem. And that's what happens, but they're much better now because they don't slip. I don't care what they do as long as they don't slip. Cause you know, when you're hot and you're fucking sweating and, you're, and it's like the point where you push them up and they just go right back down, yeah. you know? It will drive you nuts. So, uh, David and I talked about this before the show and we decided we'd give it, a, <laughs> we'd, we'd go ahead and do it. 
But um, of all the people who called me, only one called on the hotline. Uh-huh. Um, and that was, of course, our great friend Kate Kulzik, who yeah. called and left a very heartwarming and beautiful message. Um, and the great thing was, uh, you know, when I was in the hospital... I don't, I don't know if anyone has ever been in a nut house before, but they take all your phones and shit. Right. And they say it's because they don't want cameras. Like, if you have a phone without a camera, you can keep it. Huh. And I guess that's, you know, if you had a laptop or a, a iPad or anything without a camera, you could keep it. But who the fuck has those? Yeah. <laughs> if you have one of those, it's broken, <laughs> is the bottom line. So nobody has any phones and shit there. So you're only, you know, uh, access to the outside world is uh, the TV. And because the Olympics were happening at the time, it was 24-7 Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what's going on? What did Trump say? What's the deal? And the, uh, for for you people listening at home, uh, David and David, there was a... Uh, I got contacted about a gig before I went in the hospital mm-hmm. and I was supposed to follow up with a phone call. And the, and the woman in charge was like, yeah, I'll email you next week. So Monday and Tuesday comes. And I'm like, I gotta check my fucking email. Because I couldn't even do that. But the great thing is I got out, got her email, and we had the conversation. So in between her, like, contacting me for the gig and finalizing it, I tried to kill myself and spent three <laughs> days in the nut house, Which is funny to me. And I wonder if she looked at my, you know, social media and stuff. But it was also great hearing all the diff- different ways people reacted. Like people saying, ha ha, good joke. People saying, oh my God, I hope you're okay. Stephanie Smith said, if this is a joke, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Which was pretty great. That's pretty good. Yeah. So um, so Kate calls it called and left a beautiful, uh, heartwarming and, and nice message. And we and, and David and I decided we will make fun of it and read the transcript <laughs> like we did before because she's the only one who called on the hotline. To be clear, very appreciative of Kate. Yeah. Google no. Translate is just funny. Yeah, exactly. Because she, if I played you the message, it would not be funny at all. It's it's a, a great thing that she called. But of course, Google Translate always screws it up. So here's the message. Hey, Paul, this is Kate. Call Zach. Just calling to deliver two beeps was telling me. I was just calling to say hi, and I saw your tweets, and I'm glad that you're getting some help. And yeah, I don't really have time. Just just wishing you well, and and let me know if there's anything I can do to help, and I don't know, I can't think of anything. I could do, you know, you don't need anything from me over in Chicago or anything, but I'm thinking of you, and I'm just really, really glad that you're still here, okay? I'll talk to you later. This is Kate called the caller ID on this stuff, but I'll talk to you later, bye. So that's what I read, but not what I heard. Um, and I, I got this other message, which was not transcribed. I, I like, I don't really have time. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but she carved out the 47 seconds it took to make this call. So there was another call I got that was unrelated, and it says transcript not available, and so I'll play it for you. And David, here it is. Boo! Boo! That's it. <laughs> Just four boos. Uh, so that was great, too. Um, so while we're, while we're talking about it, um, obviously you can always call the hotline and leave any message you want, uh, whether it's a celebrity beef or a, a, a message about your favorite memory of the show, uh, which some people have already done. You know, Before uh, we stopped recording, I, I, I actually gave out Alex Daniels' phone number instead <laughs> of ours, so a couple people called him, which is great. But the number is 
657-235-2333. And feel free to call and say anything you want. Um, Um, Now, uh, as we've announced before, in a few weeks, the the show as we know it is coming to an end. Right. Um, And, and And we considered just... Calling it off and, right. and ending in like the the like a Chico and the Man style thing, like <laughs> uh, the guy, one of the guys on the show tried to kill himself, so the show's over. But uh, because it's fall preview, we said let's yeah. come back with a with a bang and talk about all the new shows, and then well, we'll... I think I think we should keep, if possible, the hotline open forever in into the new version that I do. Okay, and. You reading funny transcripts <laughs> should be a regular segment. All right. Uh, well, on the show. What I'm hoping you have to is send me an MP3. Um, I, I, my, my original hope was that someone else would do this while we were doing it. Would would do an after show podcast. Uh-huh. Jake Man actually contacted me and said, "I'm thinking of doing a new podcast called Watching Watch This, <laughs> uh, and just talk about us." But uh, honestly, if that doesn't happen, I'll probably do that myself, like you and whoever. Yeah. And, but I'll review you guys reviewing shows. <laughs> And we'll talk about that, and then I can read Hotline stuff. So that'll be my new podcast. All right. The follow-up. You listen to David and whoever he has, and then listen to Watching Watch This, uh, which I guess is what you have to call it, right? I guess, yeah. Watching whatever you're watching. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, on to uh, Lighter Fair. Um, <laughs> I went and saw... Brooke and I went out to a movie, and we saw Don't Think Twice last night. Yeah. Right? You've seen it? Yeah. Great, right? It's not my thing. Really? I feel like it must be me because I didn't like his last one, Sleepwalk With Me. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that movie as well. The Microbiglius thing just doesn't Hmm. connect with me. I liked it, and for the same reason a lot of performers like it, because it's very true. It rings 100% true across the board. All the performers, you know, to me, what I got out of the movie was... Even though, like, these guys all started out in the same place, mm-hmm. they all went in different directions, and we saw it. The guy's dad, you know, got super sick, and it is a bump in the road. Uh, you know, Mike Birbiglia meets this woman who he's kind of in love with, and she has a kid. And if he wants to make that... These yeah. are spoilers, I guess. But if he wants to make that decision, Gillian... Uh, Gillian Jacobs? Jacobs decides, I actually don't want to be famous. I kind of like doing this, what mm-hmm. I'm doing. And then, of course, the one guy who does live his dream realizes it's not all that's cracked up to be. So I thought that was great. Unfortunately, I don't know how the movie ended. Because while we're sitting there in the theater, this douche next to me starts texting on his fucking phone. And he's he's there by himself, which is why he's texting. He's clearly trying to make plans for after the movie. But he's got his skateboard and his backpack and his fucking phone. And he's two seats away from me. And there's a plenty of other people in the theater, and I'm waiting and begging for somebody to do or say something so I don't have to, because the truth is, I don't know what to do. Yeah. In the old days, I would have done anything, whatever I felt like. Uh-huh. But here, two weeks after being in the hospital, I'm trying to cope with this. And I'm like, well, do I just throw my napkin at him? Do I give him a <laughs> pst? Do I grab his phone and chuck it across the theater, which I could have easily done? Uh-huh. Uh, do I say, hey, fucko, put that away? Do I go tell somebody? It's a host of things. But I'm now thinking of the repercussions, which I rarely used to do, you know? I don't want to talk to him in case he goes, fuck you. Mind your own business. Because if that's the case, it's on. I have no choice at that point uh, than to fucking retaliate. Uh, you know, grabbing his phone and throwing it. Who knows? The guy was much younger than me, regardless. So I was like, uh, why don't I just fucking leave? But before I do... I grabbed my soda and took the lid off 
and accidentally, quote unquote, spilled it on him as I left the theater. (laughs) (laughs) So because I had to go in front of him to leave. So I took my lid. It wasn't an entire, you know, giant cup of soda. Did you spill it on the phone? No, I spilled it mostly on his backpack, which that's the point. You know, if it was zipped up, who gives a fuck? And I even said I like spilled it and went, oh shit, I'm sorry. And he went, that's okay. (laughs) Which made me laugh. But then I sat in the fucking lobby fuming because I was now upset. I didn't want to go back in the theater. And I I knew I was going to miss the rest of the movie. Uh And then Brooke comes out, are you okay? And she's like, let's leave. So... It all turned out fine, but I just now I don't know how the movie ended, so I gotta wait till it's on demand or whatever. Okay, but I can uh, just tell you right now. Yeah, everybody died. That... Everybody died. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know if. Uh, well, she told she stayed in there for a good fifty more minutes, so she saw what was basically what was going to happen, and she said, "Well, he stole their, their skits, and it didn't okay. work out." And yeah, so I get it. I mean, I saw I saw the writing on the wall. It's not like. It's a fuck. It's not like an M Night Shyamalan movie, right? Right. That would be the worst. But uh, but it was a, a strange experience for me to have to leave the theater. She thought. Here's the funny part. Brooke thought the movie triggered something for me seeing these co- comedians oh, yeah, in yeah. different things, and I was like, no, actually, I was digging it. And being an improv guy, and you know, in fucking comedy groups and shit like that, I loved it. But what was the trigger is his fucking asshole on his phone. Who, you know, he even had it dimmed. So he knew he was wrong. You know, at least when you see some idiot on their phone, it's super bright. Yeah. In the movie theater. He had, like, he had it dimmed so most people couldn't see it. So he knew he was doing the wrong thing, right? Yeah. Sounds like it. Fuck that guy. I was so mad. But anyway, uh, what about you? Did you see any movies of, of note that you want to talk about? Well, we haven't done one of these in three weeks, so... Well, yeah. just like something that you think, oh, shit, don't miss this, if you see it. I saw Don't Breathe. That's a cool movie. Uh, I've seen commercials for it. It looks cool, awesome. Like home Invasion, like reverse Home Invasion, I guess, sort of uh, uh, thriller, where some yeah. uh, punk kids break into this guy's house to steal his money, and he's blind, and he's an army vet, and he uh, doesn't make it easy on them to get back out. Yeah, the in, the, in the previews, it's like, he kills one of them, and he's okay, pretty... That's in the trailer? Yeah. Because, well, don't... Because I've been told what's in the trailer, oh, and there really? is like a big reveal in the trailer that you shouldn't know going in. So this is, oh, okay. Maybe mm, you saw like a teaser or something. Probably. Um, but it's Stephen Lang. Right, from who's, Avatar. Right, and everything else. And the funny thing is, when you say from Avatar or that sh- uh, Terra Nova, that shitty dinosaur TV oh, show. right, yeah, yeah. When you say the big things he was in, people go, ugh. But the truth is, he's a great actor. Yeah, he is. The guy's yeah. fucking amazing. And he plays a blind man who's a badass in this, uh, a la Rutger Hauer. And in the in the trailer, what they show is these kids going to, to rob his shit. He's like, who's here? He knows something's up. But at one point, he starts nailing the windows shut. So uh-huh. if there is someone in there, he's going to make sure to find them, which is pretty great. That's a great twist, right? Uh-huh. Is this the same guy who did You're Next in all those movies? No. This is the guy who did um, the remake of The Evil Dead like two or three years years ago. Oh. Which I heard was good and which also had Jane Levy, the um, the, the girl from Suburgatory. Right, 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 who's, right. Who's in this as well. Okay. So, yeah. yeah that's, gonna, a, that's a cool little movie. I'm going to check that out. Um, he's great. I would say... Also check out Kubo and the Two Strings. That's a cool. Really? Uh, yeah, it's uh, the same animation house like a, that made um, Coraline, Paranorman, and Box Trolls. So they pretty okay. much only do awesome stuff. I did, I did and, like Coraline. Um, uh, yeah, and then uh, oh, I saw Southside with you. 
the uh, Barack Obama the, the, movie. Uh, uh, yeah, Barack and Michelle's first date. Uh, the before sunrise type of walking around, right? Uh, and it's actually really good. Okay, I have to say, it's really cool. Good. And I heard the people that made that got a deal somewhere to make a TV show. Oh, good. So, all uh, about the Obamas. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would love to see a show about the young Obamas, a yeah. prequel to the Obama presidency. <laughs> um, uh, so, I've seen some stuff. Did you watch the Get Down? Which we we're going to talk about uh, no, on the next show. I, I was going to watch the pilot, yeah. and then I didn't have to because you <laughs> canceled the episode. Right. But it's pretty awesome. It's, uh, it's a fucking cool show. The music and the clothes and stuff. It's basically like if Baz Luhrmann did a TV show, which is what it is. It's the Baz Luhrmann TV show about this particular time and in, in place in New York City. And the funny thing is, Jaden Smith is in it. Oh, right. But you don't recognize him because he's really good. <laughs> you know? Like, you watch the show and go, who is like, that kid? It looks like Jaden Smith, yeah. but he's really good. But it's, it can't be him. <laughs> but it's it, all the kids are, like, new, and, you know, there's real music in it. And from what I understand, the way they did the music is they play like, they recorded it, and then they played it while uh, the actors sang over it. So they are, you're not hearing them singing, but they are really singing in the scenes. So they're emoting and all that stuff. They're not just lip syncing. Um, but I've only been able to watch the first episode, but I fucking loved it. Um, did you watch any of the new Amazon pilots? No. There's three of them. One of them is uh, the same chick who did Transparent. I think it's called Good Dick. Okay. And uh, it stars uh, Catherine Hahn and Kevin Bacon and Griffin Dunn. And it's a little, I don't know, hoity-toity and heady. Uh, the acting's good. I didn't really dig it, but I know some people will. You probably like it a lot. Okay. Then the second one is Jean-Claude Van Johnson, which is the premise is Jean-Claude Van Damme is pretty much out of the business because he's mm-hmm. old and done, and he wants to get back into the business. But he doesn't want to get back into the business of making movies. He wants to get back into the business of being a soldier of fortune, which is his real job. <laughs> his cover is a movie star. So it's a great premise, but I bet you can guess what doesn't make it work. Um, John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> he sucks. Okay. The guy can't do comedy. I don't know who told him he could and then didn't teach him, but okay. he's fucking unfunny. So, But the... The, the show has nothing to do with the 1940s and 50s actor Van Johnson. No. That's like his cover name is... Like, they know him as Jean-Claude Van Damme, the movie star. Uh-huh. But his cover name is Jean-Claude Van Johnson. That's his <laughs> secret cover name. And, like, while they're making this movie in Slovenia or something, he goes on a an assignment to break into this place. And he accidentally leaves a script behind so he has to go back and get it. And it's a great premise. And it's, great. Yeah, right? But then you watch it and go, oh, fuck, anyone else in this part... And I, I was watching it going, any other action star would be great in yeah. this. Uh, it's like Bruce Willis is like written for him, but they're not going to do it. And the third one is The New Tick, The New Live Action Tick. Oh. Which... I met um, the guy who's playing Arthur at Comic-Con. Oh. He came to our meetup, actually. And he's great. He's not famous. Then there's not a lot of big names in it. In fact, the Tick is Peter Serafinowicz, oh, yeah. who's one of my favorites. And I met him at uh, Bridgetown last time. But he's not certainly not a big name. Um, but I thought it was fucking great. That's and cool. I hated the other one with uh, Patrick Warburton. I thought that was oh, bullshit. Really? Yeah, I like Par- that. Partly, and, um, Nestor Carbonell is Batman well. Yeah. Partly I hated it because they only paid for Arthur and the Tick. They didn't get 
uh, oh. the other characters. Like you know, Batman. Well, was actually what is the not Wombat, what is the Kinkajou or whatever. I don't know. Okay. It was a different guy, an American made. On the show, they turned her into Miss Liberty as Liz Vassie as Miss Liberty. They had to make up new characters that were basically shitty versions of the cartoon huh. and or comic book. But then they got all of them for this comic book. And Serafano, it's just fucking hysterical. I love it. I've heard other people say they don't like it, but I think it's great. But those are my opinions on Amazon Pilots. The other new show I wanted to mention is Better Late Than Never, which just started last week. And it's, uh, I don't know, like a travelogue reality show. The premise with Henry Winkler... Bill Shatner, George Foreman, and Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. And the truth is, if, you, if you're not interested in those people, you probably wouldn't dig it. But, of course, half the cast are idols of mine. Yeah. You know, probably, like, I, I think I tweeted a, a while ago that the only idol I've ever had who hasn't disappointed me is Henry Winkler. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I will die before he does. But the truth is, every single person who's ever met him says, no, that's not going to happen. Because Winkler's the fucking man. He's, yeah. he's never done that. Even Shatner, who, you know, who is... A f- perfectly fine person. He's kind of a dick. Yeah. You know? So, uh, but if you like any of those guys, if you're fans, you should watch it. Because the premise is the four of them and comedian Jeff Dye go over to Asia. And they go to Japan and China and Korea and just look at shit and walk around and do stuff. How many, I'm going to say how many seconds into the show does the first Viagra joke pop up? Uh, no, pop up was not meant to be a Viagra good joke. Good one. Well, they, they, uh, yeah, I didn't see any, I'm sure they did it, but there were no Viagra jokes in the pilot. But of course, there's a million jokes about how tiny everything is because George and Terry are giant guys. They go and stay in one of those cubicle hotels. Oh, yeah. So that's fun and funny. And they go, but the best thing about it, and this is why you might want to watch it, is it's a great travelogue because they go, they, they climb up to the top of the Mount Fuji viewing area. And you see all that beautiful landscape. Yeah. They eat crazy food. They go on one of those Japanese morning shows and play the wasabi roulette game. Oh. Uh, at one point, George and Terry get, or is it, no, it's Shatner and Terry get in these robots and fight each other at this <laughs> nightclub. And it's fun. And then on top of all that, it's funny. One bit at the beginning when they're in the cubicle is they're getting in this going, well, I don't know about these cubicles. And this Japanese dude walks in who's naked. And gets in his cubicle. Mm-hmm. And he crawls in, of course, while Shatner's looking at his balls. And he goes, ah, I'm in the mood for a peach. Anybody got any peaches? <laughs> but then they do the thing. And then as a tag, Jeff Dye gets out of his cubicle. He's naked. Walks to the bathroom. And <laughs> Winkler goes, well, he's assimilating very well to the culture. And Shatner goes, I had no idea he was Jewish. <laughs> so it's shit like that the whole thing and I found out Carol Liefer is like the head writer on it oh, so that's good that's yeah. why there's good jokes and it really is delightful it's great summer fair and if you like those any of those guys you'll find it funny you know and they go to a place where they you know eat meat on a stick what do you call those places a churrascuro uh, no that's in that's Spanish okay uh, it's uh, there's a like yakitoki is that is that I don't it? Know. Yeah, well, it's. I just know the one kind of meat on a stick place. <laughs> but that's Brazilian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why this would is they? Just Asia. I forgot that part of the. Yeah. Premise. <laughs> I think so. it's called yakitoki, where it just means meat on a stick. But it's a million different kinds of meat okay. that comes to them, and they eat it. And so that's pretty cool and funny. And then, like I said, they go to China. I guess next this coming week they go to Korea, North and South. Um, so it's just fun and funny. It's exactly what you'd expect. So if you like those guys, you'll like it. Any anything else? No, we gotta we gotta. Okay, let's get on it. All right, so here are the new shows we're gonna talk about this 
Uh, I've watched trailers for every one of these. Okay, I've watched, I'm going to say none. Really? Yeah. Well, that's the good thing about, like, you don't have to get a screener anymore. You can just watch the trailer online Uh because they make trailers. Unless they recast it or they went into production late, there's trailers for all these. So let's start at the top with 24 Legacy. The premise, former Army Ranger Eric Carter, the new Jack Bauer, turns to the CTU to try to stop his terrorist attack. The series will adapt, blah, blah, blah. So it's exactly what you'd expect. It's but, 24 without Jack Bauer. Yeah, with uh, Corey Hawkins is the guy who played Dr. Dre in Serenity Compton, right? Right. And from what I, uh, Jimmy, and from what I can tell in the pre- in the trailer, it's more of a partnership between him and Miranda Otto. Oh, okay. Who is, the sh- when the show starts, she's the head of NSA or something like that. Okay. But she's also Jimmy Smith's wife, and he's running for president. So she resigns to help him run for president. And then the shit hits the fan. Basically, uh, Corey Hawkins and his team had killed a terrorist. And the terrorists are now here in America looking for revenge. And he calls her and says, holy shit, people are here to kill me. And she says, I got to go back to work. So it's like that. Okay. It's less Jack Bauer, man on his own, more uh, you know, him and Miranda Otto together. While Jimmy Smith is like, hey, I'm running for president. But I have, uh, I have a feeling everyone else is going to be back. Chloe and all those people would be oh, back. Really? Why okay. not, right? I don't know. I, I thought it might be like a hard uh, reset. but uh, hey, Well, if that's the case, I'm perfectly fine with that. But, I mean, why wouldn't you at least want one episode where they call Chloe on the phone or something? Yeah. You know, because in the, in the 24 Legacy, you remember, she was like in the underground working at the dark net and had dyed yeah, her so hair and all that how shit. How did that end? Is she back in the good graces? Well, she was, she was undercover. She wasn't really working for them in that. Oh, okay. And so when Jack contacted her, he kind of blew her cover. So... Who knows? That's the uh, one of the great things about Twenty Four is they can pretty much make up anything and go government conspiracy terrorists. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to watch it and I okay. hope it's good. But uh, um, I, I give that one a thumbs up. Okay, American. I'm not Housewife. keeping track this year because we won't be doing <laughs> right. We won't be looking yeah. back. But American Housewife is next. What's that one? Uh, Katie Mixon stars as Katie Otto. A lot of Ottos here. Uh-huh. Uh, an unapologetic mother of three. So she's not sorry about the fact that she had three kids. Uh, <laughs> raising her family in the wealthy town of Westport, Connecticut that's full of perfect families. So the deal here is she's. it's like this bad mom's idea. It also stars Diedrich Bader as her husband. Okay. And uh, Ali Wong, I think, is her one friend who's not a weirdo. Because it's this little town where everyone's perfect. But the big thing about it is she's... This picture they show of her is a skinny version of her. Because she's probably 5, 10 pounds heavier on the show. And that's a big deal that all these other moms in town oh, are, very, are very skinny. So she calls herself fat constantly. Which, on one hand, is a little old. Because, of course, we all know Katie Mixon is one of the most beautiful women yeah. ever created. Yeah, she's, yeah. <laughs> she's fucking sexy and hot and funny and pretty. And she's the best. And the fact that she's curvy just makes her that more sexy. But, so it's TV fat. You got to give it up. Right. But she does have a point because all the other women and even fucking Ali Wong is a tiny Asian Mm -hmm. girl. So all the other women are very skinny on the show. And, but I like the fact that she's, that she uses the word fat. Okay. And it, and even in the trailer, they say it so much that it loses its effect. You know what I mean? So. I, what I'm guessing is, you know, she goes, I'm fat. And her husband's like, no, but if you are, who cares? Whereas the other woman say, she's fat. And that's the sting. It's not the word. It's how it's used. You know yeah, I, I, hope mean, it, uh, I hope the show is uh, 
responsible with with that. I do too. But it's a half hour sitcom. It's not like, you know, so how bad can it be here? You know, how <laughs> how much damage can it do? <laughs> but it's nice to see Katie Mixon with her own show. You know, because she was great on Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Even though she wasn't on every season. And if it wasn't for the other dummies on Mike and Molly, I might have watched her on that. <laughs> but I will watch this just for her alone. Uh, and I, you probably agree with me. Yeah, and DJ Painter is always a good draw, too. Yeah, he's great in the trailer. And they have kids who are funny, too. So, all right, moving on to APB. Oh, shit, I forgot. Uh-oh. I came up with my list of reviews, like oh, I always it do. First, I thought you were going to do it at the end. You want me to do it at the end? Yeah, okay. yeah because once we're all... That, by that point, we'll be familiar with all the titles. Oh, you're right. Good call. Yeah. So, remind me. Don't let me wrap up the show before I do it. Okay. Because I got some good shit. Okay. All right. So, this one, APB, is an hour-long drama cop show. Um, APB, DOA. <laughs> tech billionaire. Is that, close. very close. <laughs> Same joke. Different letters. Uh, tech billionaire Gideon Reeves. POS. Just, Justin Kirk. <laughs> is that a POS. POS. You got it. All right. I, I won't burn any more of your... <laughs> he, he takes over the Chicago Police Department to fix the rampant corruption and cover-ups. So that's a dumb description. But the premise is, you know Justin Kirk from oh, yeah. Weeds and Animal uh, Practice, is right? what it's called? The Monkey Show. I forget. He's also in Angels in America. Yes, which he was brilliant in. Yeah. Um, but the premise is he's a, a zillionaire and a friend of his gets shot. And, and it, of course, it takes place in Chicago, which we know is the murder now the murder capital of America. And if his friend gets shot, and he dies while waiting for the cops and everybody to show up. So he decides he he basically uh, privatizes the police force in that particular uh, sector or you know part of Chicago. He goes to the city and says, "Let me run it, so I can clean up the crime." Apparently, and he uses it partly by bringing in all these tech gadgets and shit. And being able to watch the cops, like, on their way and back. And it's all very high-tech. But at the end of the trailer, it works so well, every other precinct in Chicago says, we're on board. Hmm. So so by the end of the first episode, he has now privatized the entire Chicago Police Department and is running it that way. And that he's, could be interesting. Yeah, and he's not a cop. And I like, the, I like, the, I like Justin Kirk. I liked the... Uh, Ernie Hudson apparently yeah, is in it. Yeah, and Ernie Hudson is the older cop, basically playing what he plays every in every series yeah. role. It's a lot like the guy from Oz, quite frankly. Um, so that's good. This chick, Natalie Martinez, was on the show Eureka. She was very good on that. So uh, so I give that one a thumbs up. I'm going to watch it. What's next? The Blacklist Redemption, <laughs> starring Famke Jansen and Ryan Eggold. Right. Um, the spin-off of The Blacklist will follow Tom Keynes, Ryan Eggle, as he teams up with Susan Scotty Hargrave, Hank Jansen, whom he discovers is his mother on the mothership. What? Uh, Scotty is the head of Grey Matters um, from Breaking Bad, uh, <laughs> a covert mercenary task force that handles cases the government won't touch. Uh, yeah. What is the mothership? That's like his contact. That's... Uh, okay. So... Is that a, will Blacklist fans know that word? Yes, like the, uh, I think so. They should because she's. I mean, he was a regular. He played uh, oh, okay. what's her name's husband, who was actually her babysitter. Um, and and at, and then when he went off on his own, he contacted Fomka Johnson, and they teamed up for a while, and, and so okay. now they got their own show. But it, uh, the bottom line is, it's the blacklist without the best guy. Uh, <laughs> it's with blacklist with the second best guy on it. So I, I honestly think because he was good on the blacklist. But he's obviously a hunk, 
So I think there's a lot of uh, women who will watch this show because he's so hunky. And him and Famke Jansen have a little uh, th thing together. Um, they have a good chemistry. So it's it's same thing, only more guns. Is, you know, James Spader holds guns a lot on the blacklist. He rarely fires them. So this will be a lot more fun. And, and also Ryan Eggold is the guy who gets beat up every episode of the blacklist. And then beats the shit out of someone else. So... If you like the blacklist, you'll like it. Is the bottom line. All right, we'll so that means I'm not going to watch. It. Probably not. All right. Next on the list is Bull. This is the show that Michael Weatherly quit NCIS to do. Okay. And uh, premises, he Michael Weatherly stars as a Doctor Phil on the series, which follows his early career as a trial consultant. And it's wait really yes because if you if you know Doctor Phil came to prominence when he was uh, working with Oprah when she was being sued by the beef industry in Texas. Okay, I remember that. He was her trial expert. And that's how he made his living for a long time because, as we know, he's not a real doctor. He's uh, you know, a, a personality and relationship expert. So he was like one of those trial experts. Like, he would watch, you know, like that movie Runaway Jury. Yeah. He was Gene Hackman. That was okay. is who he was. So, Michael Weatherly is that version of him, only he's great looking, has an amazing head of hair, doesn't talk like a fucking hillbilly. Wow. But he's just as condescending and prickish as Dr. Phil. Um, and the, the, the trailer is all about the first episode. And I don't know why they call him Dr. Bull. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea, but it's fucking annoying that they go, Bull? Dr. Bull? 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 Is that Bull? And he goes, it's Dr. Bull. I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw the billboards, but the, the tagline is, he'll get you off. Oh, yeah. I've seen the billboards everywhere. Could you imagine if it was Dr. Phil and underneath <laughs> said, he'll get you off? It would be like those, do you remember the posters for Knocked Up that was Seth Rogen's face? Yeah. It was like, imagine if this man got you pregnant. <laughs> right? Those were good. Yeah. Because that was the premise of the film. Um, but the fact, I mean, I, I love Michael Weatherly. I adore him. In fact, I probably won't watch NCIS now that he's not on it. But I don't know about this show because it's produced by Dr. Phil and his fucking son, Jay, who are responsible for some of the shittiest TV on ever on television. It's also, yeah. Yeah. Steven Spielberg is a producer. Yeah, but he's hands-off. That's yeah. the thing is, if they're going to be hands-on and say, no, 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 that's not how it happened or... Phil would never say that. Then yeah. fuck. That I don't think show. this show's gonna last. Yeah, I, I Thumbs think it's down both to it. Not, it's not gonna be good, and it, I think it's gonna be. Uh, well, I predict it's gonna be one of the first canceled. Yeah, and I don't blame Michael Weatherly. Obviously, he wanted his own show that he owns a piece of. That's business is business, but uh, it won't be his first foray into starring in the TV. Um, all right, next Chicago Justice, the fourth series of Dick <laughs> Wolf's lucrative Chicago franchise takes viewers inside the Windy City State's Attorney's Office. This series was introduced as a backdoor pilot in an episode of Chicago PD. Of course Bay. it was. So you got Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago Med, which was just last season, and now Chicago Lawyers. So all four... Chicago Justice. Pretty much all... Well, Chicago Firemen, Chicago Cops, right. Chicago Doctors, Chicago Lawyers. So I don't know what, other, what else it could be. What other serious workplace drama is there other than those four? Even firemen is a stretch. There's not there's not as many fireman shows, yeah. right? But yeah. the, I watched all these shows, and I watched the trailer for this one. I hate Chicago Med, and I can't watch one second of Chicago PD. But I love Chicago Fire. That was the first one, right? Yes, yeah. and I don't know why. Maybe it's because firemen are awesome. You know, firemen are always heroes. 
Firemen never accidentally shoot somebody. Firemen never lose a patient on the table. Firemen <laughs> never convict the wrong guy, right? Right. They yeah. save lives and even kittens. They save the lives of babies and kittens and old people. Yeah. So I like that. That's a great show. I'll say this has a good cast. This guy, Dick, uh, Philip Winchester, Carl Weathers is his boss. Oh, okay. He's, you know, the big black uh, voice of reason on the show. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'll check it out like I do all shows, but I don't have, uh, I don't have big hopes for it. Um, next, Conviction with Haley Atwell. Former ne'er-do-well, first daughter, Hayes Morrison, gets blackmailed into working for the New York District Attorney, Wayne Wallace, uh, his Conviction Integrity Unit where she has to turn over wrongful convictions. So Eddie Cahill, who you might remember as uh, Rachel's boyfriend, Tag, from Friends. I don't. Um, most recently he was on uh, CSI New York. Uh, he's a cop who basically is like the Innocence Project. Or he's okay. a lawyer, like the Innocence Project. They overturn shit. She is a uh, like one of the Bush twins. She was the president's daughter, and she was always in trouble. So she gets arrested for cocaine possession in the first episode. He comes to her and says, I need a famous face for my project, and that's you. Either go to prison or help me out, because she is a lawyer. And, of course, the whole first episode, she's <coughs> selfish and dumb, and then at the end, she's a good person. So, again, I love Haley Atwell, as yeah. we all do. She was Peggy Carter, but I'm not excited about anyone else on the show or I the premise. I feel like, yeah, the premise... And I think we talked about this. I, was it like was it last year? I think it was two years ago. That um, that Catherine Heigl show. Yes, State of Affairs. State of Affairs. Yeah. Uh, it feels like a, a lot of TV producers are learning the wrong lessons from Homeland. Like they're basically saying, like, "Well, Carrie on Homeland is a fucking mess." Yeah, so it looks like what everyone wants is movies where or TV shows where otherwise capable women. Are a fucking mess in their personal lives. True, and that seems to be like a, it's a subgenre of these shows now. Right, and it's funny because uh, you know the aforementioned Peggy Carter was not that. She was uh -huh. the smartest, most able person on the show, and the fact that she was a woman was her shortcoming. Just because of the time, you know, no one took right, her seriously, right. no one trusted her. Um, but yeah, you're right, Carrie. Uh, it's dumb. Yes, don't try to fucking rep. Uh, replicate what they did on Homeland because they fucking struck gold. Like any other actress, probably wouldn't be wouldn't have done that. Yeah, any, it, as well. And know? I think the I mean the initial impulse because we get so many shows about male antiheroes. Yeah, that the impulse. Yeah, it's great that they made a character like like Carrie um, that you know you normally don't at that point didn't see uh, women who are troubled and that complicated. Uh -huh. But when it becomes that becomes the basis of the show. It becomes cynical, like right. You know, let's just write because I yeah, let's write yeah. Because like Kevin Heigl's character was promiscuous or whatever it was, and now yeah. this woman's a, a drug addict. It seems so manufactured, right? Whereas uh, the other show like that, Mrs. Madam Secretary, the Tay Leone okay. one, yeah, she's perfectly able. She has a husband. Tim Daly's her husband, and she has kids. And she, her the biggest thing is sometimes a president. Keith Carradine disagrees with her, but who the fuck watches that show? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's still on. Apparently, yes, it's popular. Watching it. But I know I'm. I watched one episode and thought it was boring as batshit. All right, moving on. All right, uh, designated survivor. Uh, Keeper Sutherland stars as Tom Kirkman, a lower cabinet member who becomes president after an attack on Washington kills everyone ahead of him 
in the line of succession. Right. Uh, so I'm assuming this is a drama and not um, the American version of King Ralph. <laughs> well, it's for those of you who don't get it uh, from the description. You remember that episode of West Wing when yeah. the president was getting ready to do the State of the Union, yeah. and he says to this guy who's sitting behind, who I think was Secretary of Education or something, played by Harry Groner, the mayor right. uh, from uh, Buffy. from Buffy, and he said, "Oh, you're the designated survivor for tonight." Uh-huh. And he says, "Okay, well, in case we all die, do you have a best friend?" And he <laughs> goes, "Yes." He goes, "Make him your chief of staff." Which was great, but yeah. that's apparently what happens. One person who's in the cabinet, who's in charge of something, is has to stay behind and watch in case there's an attack and everybody in there dies. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. And if you watch on the trailer, it's really powerful. Because he's just watching this, the State of the Union, and then like the TV goes out. He's like, oh, God damn it!" and he's flipping the thing. Oh. But then he looks out the window and sees the Capitol's on fire. And goes, holy fuck. And so he realizes, because that all happens, but it's all just a matter of, you know, it's, it, it probably will never happen uh, ever in, the, you know, in this country. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly not after 9-11. They're never going to let that happen. But it's great. And he's, what do they say he is? He's, uh, I, think he's say, uh, I think he's the HUD guy. I think he's housing yeah. and urban development. So um, it's kind of, It really is kind of, I mean, you mentioned West Wing, but it's also how... Um, uh, What's her name became president on Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same thing. Because she was the because, Secretary of Education. Because she was off in space when the Cylons d- destroyed Earth, so she was the president. And just like Battlestar Galactica, where people were challenging her uh-huh. as being in charge, she had to say, Listen, motherfuckers, I'm the president. Uh-huh. Stop arguing with me. And he does that. Like one of the first things, they come to him and say, Okay, sir, we need you to sign this so you can step down so people can be in charge. And he goes, oh, no, 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 I don't think that's a good idea. I'm here for a reason. He's like, I don't want you guys to be in charge. Because the first thing is, he has to decide to declare war or not. Right. But he doesn't even know who the fuck to declare war on. Right. So it's basically keep something. The dumb thing about this particular picture is, that's not how he looks. And the fact is, he wears these like horn-rimmed glasses like mine, and he looks like the guy from Phone Booth. It's oh, okay. The dude from Phone Booth is the president. And he's wearing like a sweater and a, a t-shirt while he's watching, you know. So the whole first episode, he's in a sweater and a t-shirt while everyone around him is in suits and holding their earpieces and stuff. So, I, I mean, if the show is as exciting as a trailer, it's going to be fucking great. And this is clearly one of... This is ABC's pushing this. The, they showed it at Comic-Con, which I, I didn't see. Um, but the cast is... It's Keith Sutherland, Sutherland, Natasha McElhone, Megan Q, and Cal Penn. Right. Like, that's... That's a big name cast. Yeah, uh, Natasha Mapplewain plays his wife, and uh, Cal Penn is like the guy. His he's like a chief of staff guy. He's one of the sec- the president's guys who wants him to step down, so okay. they butt heads. And then Maggie Q is uh, like his second in command, badass as always. But I I think it's going to be great, and I really hope it does. On the other hand, yeah, speaking of Captain Heigl, <laughs> doubt. Or, but also speaking of great casts, by the way. Yeah, right? Or as it's known in Canada, doped. Uh, but uh, the premise is she's a fucking lawyer who falls in love with her client, Stephen Pasquale, who may or may not have fucking done it. Okay, first of all, fuck that premise. Any lawyer who falls in love with their client is a shitty lawyer. Just like a, you're a shitty doctor or a shitty teacher yeah. or a shitty boss, I am fucking tired of seeing serious workplace romances where people should be doing their job instead of fucking in their office. That doesn't happen in life, and if it does, you're bad at your job. 
Um, but unfortunately, like you said, the show stars Stephen Pasquale, Laverne was, Cox. Uh, Stephen Pasquale is correct me if I'm wrong. Who is he? He was um, Mark Furman on the OJ right miniseries, and he was on uh, Rescue Me right. And he that. had his own show where he was the Jekyll and Hyde Doctor. You remember? <laughs> oh my God! No harm done, or whatever it was right. called. But what I remember that about that show was the awful, awful posters of him holding the hands up with the yeah, and the picture of him on his hands. But he's a doctor in this, so you will have flashbacks to that. <laughs> Because he's in Scrubs a lot. But, on the other hand, Laverne Cox yep. is in it, yep. playing a transgender character, but she just happens to be transgender, and she's a badass lawyer. Dulé Hill, yep. who's fucking great. Drama Walker, who's yes. amazing. Elliot Gould, Elliot, duh, Gould, yeah. not playing an idiot. He's like the boss at the law firm. So, that was the thing. In the tra- like, I'll say this. I want to, uh, full disclosure, when I got out of the hospital, I was very upbeat. I was very optimistic, and I was certainly glad to be out of that fucking place. Because I'm sure anyone who has been under a 72-hour hold knows it is not good. It is Especially if you're not crazy. Because there are fucking people in there who are nuts. The point is, you got to be babysat so you don't hurt yourself or other people. So I got out, and I was like, yeah, let's watch all these trailers. And I was super excited. It reminded me of being at Comic-Con first night. Uh-huh. You know, when you're excited to be there and everything looks great. Yeah. But I, I turned to Brooke and said, maybe it's me, but a lot of these trailers look good. And she's like, well, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. And then I watched the one for Doubt and went, ah, here we go. <laughs> this sucks. But unfortunately, if you watch the trailer, the rest of the cast is amazing. There's this good scene where Driama Walker, who's like an associate, is talking about how much all the other lawyers at this place are dicks. And Laverne Cox is standing right behind her. And it's great because, as we know, Laverne Cox is like 6'7", and Drannemore Walker is like 4'3". So she's looking straight up at this giant, imposing black woman who has a cock. And it's fucking great. It's a great scene. But unfortunately, then Katherine Heigl comes on the screen and ruins it. So (laughs) it's it's on CBS, just like uh, her other shitty show was. But I don't think anyone's going to care. All right, read the next one. Didn't I just read that one? Did you? Okay. Downward... No, no, actually, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, no, this one's mine. Downward Dog. Downward Dog. Starring Allison Tolman, Lucas Neff, Mo Collins. That's good. Yeah. Tolman is the human star, but the show is told from the point of view of her character Nan's dog. So it's not a talking dog, per se. You just hear his thoughts. But it's based on a web series that I've never heard of called the same thing, Downward Dog. The premise is she's single and has a dog, and... Uh, in the trailer, it's funny because he's a dog, so he has a limited understanding of what life is. He thinks she leaves every morning and drives around in her car uh-huh. with the windows down. That's what she does all day long uh-huh. and comes back. Because as far as he's concerned, that's all he's ever seen her do. Uh-huh. So that's pretty funny. The guy who's the voice of the dog is the guy, I think, who created the web series. Because okay. he's not an actor. His only credit is this show. Okay. But he is the producer and the... Uh, Sam Hodges is the same. He's a producer and a writer. Lucas Neff plays her hippie boyfriend. You remember him from Raising Hope? Yeah. And Mo Collins is uh, her friend uh, who works at the ad agency where they work. Okay. And, of course, we love Mo Collins. Yeah. She's fucking hysterical. Yes. You watch Lady Dynamite, right? Uh, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, no, really? Seriously. Oh, dude. I know. She's so fucking funny on it. I didn't actually know that Mo Collins was on it. I want to watch it even more. She plays her shitty-ass whole best friend who is mean to Maria when she moves back home. She's hysterical. And Missy Pyle is on it too. Hysterical. Oh, those are three incredibly funny right? people. So I, and we love Alison Tolman. And I'll say this. Uh, I, when I saw Morgan Murphy, when I did the 
Guy Branham's talk show, The Game Show, Morgan was a, a guest, and I asked her what she was working on, and she said this. So, okay. again, another funny woman. All right, you're turning me around. I, I thought that right? that seemed like a, a weak premise, but not, now I'm excited. Because I said to her, a talking dog show? And she went, yeah, stars Allison Tolman and blah, blah, And I went, oh, that actually sounds yeah. good. And then the trailer, it, they nail it. It's pretty good. Uh, next, Emerald City. Uh, this premieres mid-season on NBC. Uh, but as you can guess, it's a dark, edgy reimagining of the Land of Oz book series. The fantasy series stars Arjona, who has one name, I guess, as Dorothy no, Gale. A- Adria Arjona. Oh, right. They mentioned her earlier. And Vincent D'Onofrio plays the wizard. There is no trailer for this because apparently oh, okay. uh, it was a project and then they dropped it. Okay. And then they picked it up again last minute. So uh, all I was able to see is interviews and commercials. But... Honestly, I'd never seen a reimagining of The Wizard of Oz that I thought was worth the shit. And I even think The Wizard of Oz is a little over, uh, <laughs> is, a, is a little, uh, you know, better, is not as good as people think it is. So, aside from Vincent D'Onofrio, I don't find this interesting at all. Also, it's produced by Sean Cassidy, who, nothing personal, but he's always producing shitty shows. Okay. So, it, and there's probably a reason why it got dropped, you know, and then... When we see it on TV, we'll go, oh. In fact, here's my prediction. Because this is a mid-season premiere, I bet it never airs. Okay. I bet come mid-season, they decide they're going to yank it. Or they save it for the summer, or they show it on NBC.com. That's, okay. my, that's my prediction. Um, all right. The Exorcist. <laughs> on Fox. On Fox. The horror remake follows two men who try to help the Rance family's case of demonic possession. Gina Davis takes on the Ellen Burstyn role from the film as the family matriarch. Um, some other people are the kids. Uh, yeah. But it also has Alan Ruck in it. So Gina Davis and Alan Ruck, that's exciting. Yeah, but uh, as it says, it is just word for word. It's just the TV version of the movie. Reagan is the kid. It's just longer. It takes longer to ramp up to it, but by the end of the first episode, she goes to a priest and says, I think my kid's possessed. Because there's more than just my kid's possessed. She complains about hearing sounds in the walls, seeing shit out of the corner of her eye. So it's just an expanded version of that. Okay. Um, I wasn't blown away by the trailer, uh, but I don't. if you're a fan of The Exorcist, I don't see how you don't watch this show, right? And it's on Fox, so you know it's going to be kind of dark yeah. right, and scary. Um, I don't know. Uh, Gina Davis looked a little too serious for me, but... I'll take uh, Gina Davis anywhere I can get her. Oh, okay. All right, well, let's take a break and talk about trivia then. We're not even halfway through. Oh, really? Shouldn't we, like, maybe at the alphabetical halfway? Well, my question is about Gina Davis. Oh, okay. Then you can't do it alphabetically either because you're going to get to, like, three S's and then you're going to skip to a W. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All All right, right. so here's the question. Okay. Uh, Last show we did, the question was about a director... Who directed a bunch of shows. Do you remember that? This was your yep. question. And uh, what was the actual question? Some guy directed almost every episode of a sitcom. Yeah. Um, no, it was a lady who directed almost oh, okay. every episode of How I Met Your Mother, maybe? Right. That was the answer. How I Met Your Mother was the answer. Yeah. And it was literally... I mean, that show was on, like, nine years, over 200 episodes, and, like, all but 12 of them were directed by the same person. Right. Whose so, name I knew at the time. And yeah. Oh, I don't even think you said the name. I think the question no, was... No, I'm saying, I, if we had done this the week after, I would have said... I got Her you. name was whatever, but I yeah, didn't. Okay, so, um, yes, the answer was How I Met Your Mother, and John Shannon got it correct. And um, when he got it correct, he said, hey, I'd love that uh, Flash 
hotel key card that okay. you talked about. So I sent the email, I forward that to Tyler and say, hey, can you send this guy that key card? He writes back, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and I was I, like, context clues, a-hole. Just fucking read it and figure it out. But I was like, you were at Comic-Con and you got, you checked into your hotel. Mm-hmm. In your hand was a card getting you in your room that had a picture of a superhero on it. Mm-hmm. That superhero's name is The Flash. And he finally, and he wrote back and goes, "Oh, okay, I got it." So I'm like, "Here, fuck." If you, he goes, "I don't know if I have it still." No, he doesn't. I have both of them. Oh well, then I'll fucking forward you the address, and you yeah. can mail it. Yeah. Slip it in a fucking envelope. It's going to cost you what, thirty five cents? Yeah, we Um Okay, so congratulations, John Shannon. Here's the question this week, um, and it involves Gina Davis. A few years ago, um, back when TV Guide made the small version, mm-hmm. um, there was the the fall preview episode uh, edition came out. And they featured four major stars who were starring in their own show that season. One of them was Gina Davis of the Gina Davis show. You remember that? No. So short- this wasn't Commander-in-Chief. This is no. before that. Yeah, it was a short-lived shitty sitcom where she married Peter Horton, who had two kids. One of them played by John Francis Daly of Freaks and Geeks. Um, he was a teenager at the time. Okay. Um, but it short-lived, meaning almost immediately canceled. But the ironic part is, so were the other three. So they featured four major stars on the cover who were starring in their own sitcom. All four of them were canceled before the season was up. Who were the other three? I need to name three? Yeah. Well, name as many as you can, and the ones you can't, the viewers will name. I'm going to say it was... Now, here's the, the key... Aside from uh, the, Gina Davis and another one, the two of them had just come off huge sitcoms. And the other star um, is a huge star in another field. So there's a hint for you. So two of them had come off huge sitcoms. Yes. Where they weren't the stars, but they were. They will go down in history okay. as the so be- this, some of the best sitcoms in history. And this is not where I'm... Uh, what I was thinking. I'm going to say it's... Uh, Joey was one of the shows? No, that's wrong. Um, that, was, that was way too early. I have no idea when the Gina Davis show was. Oh, really? Um, and I'm going to say, this is also going to be too early. I can't remember the name of it, but that very short-lived Ray Liotta Conman show. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, it was on the same season as Shark, but he, he was uh, like a bank robber. That was an oh, hour-long drama. You didn't say these were all sitcoms, did you? Well, there are four stars who, from major shows... Who were who then went to their own sitcom? I, yeah, I oh, said, you did say sitcom. they had their own sitcom. Oh, yeah, I thought you said your own show. All right, I, I have no idea. Okay, so that's the question. Uh, whoever What's the name of that Ray Liotta show? That should be the question. It was one word because I always got that and Shark confused. Yeah, but I can't remember it. So, but there's the other three. So if you can name whoever can name the most, that was the name of the show. You might, you know yeah. who that is. Yeah, I remember the name of the second show, and you, that was also the name of the show. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So whoever can name the uh, the the uh, the other three and the fastest, whatever, you get a prize. Just send it your answer to Paul at thekingoftv.com. Um, and you can also follow me at Paul Goebel Show. I'm trying to get verified. Apparently it's very easy to get verified on Twitter these days. Um, all you got to... the fact that, yeah, everyone I follow seems to have a little blue right? check mark now. It's, I don't know why I'm not. Maybe because my website's been down for so long. Uh it keeps getting fucking spammed. Not, it used to be like a thing where they've reached out to you, but I guess you can apply now. Yeah, I but think I'm not I, gonna. No, I read an article that said it's it's like basically Twitter's trying to 
drum up business is what it is. So the more famous people who are verified, the better it is for Twitter. But even that, even like like people like uh, uh, Riley Silverman and uh, you know and, and uh, who's that guy Dan? Uh, I can think of his Savage. name. <laughs> but people who aren't like Riley Silverman's great, and she has this huge following. But she's not super famous, and she's certainly not a, a well-known. But it's good for both of them because then fans of her find her on Twitter, know it's actually her, yeah. which is the point. So anyway, trying to get verified. So you know, follow me and, and help See, me out. I won't. I won't apply because I'm like I'm like uh, you're too cool. I'm not like Frank Costanza. Why he doesn't vote? What is that? They don't want me. I don't want them. <laughs> Well, because he reveals that he was born in Italy, right. and therefore can never become president. Oh, and that's right. why I don't vote. They don't <laughs> want me. I, don't I love it. I love it. Okay, so and uh, of course you can always be my friend on Facebook. I want to say this. Speaking of friends, uh, if you do follow me on uh, the Facebook and the Twitter, you'll know I went to the Magic Castle on Friday night. Yeah, my yeah, um, uh, my wife uh, pointed that out to me because uh, I had gone earlier this year. And you said you'd never been. Right. So I was home from the hospital and uh, my good friend J. Keith Van Stratton uh, put on Facebook, uh, got an extra ticket to the Magic Castle. Who wants to be my date? Now, normally I would go, hmm, that sounds nice, but not go. Yeah. Beca- mainly because I would, if I was going to go, I'd want to go with my wife or whatever. But I said, you know what? I just tried to kill myself. Life is short. <laughs> and I bet Keith will feel sorry for me. So I said, I'd love to go. I've never been. And so there we are. And I wrote him back and said, listen, if like a girl wants to go with you, I understand. You know, you can blow me off and let me know. And he said, of course that would happen. Yeah. He was like, yeah, that's the understanding. I don't know why you would think differently. But it didn't happen. And we met there. We were guests of Bill Cott and Dave Cox, who are members. Okay. uh, uh, And we're doing their show. They call themselves the... No, the Imagineering's guys or whatever. Okay. So they were doing their show, and uh, Elliot Hochberg met us there with his date Leora, and we hung out. It was fucking amazing. It's a blast. The right? best thing I can compare it to is Disneyland, yeah. because there's a million things to do and see. Uh, they have you know like four different showrooms of different sizes. We were there all night. Saw I want to say four different shows. Two of them were close-up magic in that little room. Two French guys who were fucking... They blow your mind. It's it's just crazy. We saw two guys in the middle room. One guy was from Vegas. One guy was from Puerto Rico. They were both great. Uh, The best thing about the close-up room is it it is a small room. And if you sit up front, you're literally right there. But there's two stools on either side for a pretty girl to sit to be an assistant. Which is great because everyone's so dressed up. All the women there look amazing. Because if you don't know, there's a fucking uh, a dress code there. Yeah. Uh, guys have to wear jackets and ties or a turtleneck, which is great because you see a bunch of dudes in turtlenecks there, <laughs> which you never see anywhere else. Um, all the women are in gowns and heels. And, they, you know, of course, it's a great excuse for women to get all gussied up. So there's not an ugly woman in the whole building. Um, all the employees look great. Uh, all the magicians. And there's... Look, as far as I'm concerned, there's not an ugly woman in the whole world. David Bax, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for David Bax. You're married. You know that, right? You don't have to say that shit anymore. Um, but also, the other great thing is, you know, it's a members-only club. You get, you can only go in if you're a member or if you're invited by a member. Yeah. So there's not a bunch of a-holes in there. Uh, I, although I've heard they do brunch and people go there with their kids. Oh. And uh, the guy, the bartender, was like, 
that's so fucking it's a nightmare because they go into that the other the best part this is for me i could have spent all night doing this right when you go into the lobby there's a bar and on the other side of the bar is a tiny lounge with a piano in there yeah played by this ghost irma and when you walk in you go hmm play your piano yeah because there's nobody sitting there but that's not what it is because you can request songs and ask irma to play them and she does yeah. And if it's a good Irma that night, she'll fucking play everything you say. So we walk in and I'm like, Irma, good to see you. And she uh, goes, Yeah. And I go, you know, my friend Sax Carr told me I should ask you to play the Cheers theme. Ding, do, 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 ding, ding. And it was early. So Keith and I were the only ones in there. So I sang along with her. And I was like, that was fun. And, uh, and then uh, somehow I said, now is Irma a ghost or is she invisible? I say to Keith. And he's like, oh, I don't know. And I said, well, either way, I'm not afraid of her. And she goes, dee 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 and starts playing a Ghostbusters theme. And then Keith says, wait, isn't this I Want a New Drug? And we laugh. And then she plays I Want a New Drug. <laughs> so it's clear, it's clear. And then this girl comes in and it's her birthday and we sing happy birthday. But I go, tell you what, Irma, you play a TV theme song and let's see if you can stump me. And I'll sing along to every one. And six songs later, uh-huh. I'm fucking drunk. I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> I've thrown all my money in that little bird cage. She played the Andy Griffith Show, I Love Lucy, Friends, Cheers, Love Boat. And I just sat there and sang. And I was like, well, as long as no one comes in, I'm not bothering anybody. Yeah. Uh, and then these guys come in and a couple, and they were all young dudes. And these two dudes had glasses and they had fucked up haircuts. So I said, come on in, guys. It's Irma. She'll play any song. And I finish my song and I go, tell me, gentlemen, what band or startup are you involved in? <laughs> and this dude who was like, he looked like their manager, goes, they're actually in a band called Startup. And I went, oh, shit. And he said, or is it a startup called Band? <laughs> Which I thought, I don't know what that app would do, but I want it. I'm going to yeah. download it. And the guy goes, do you know the Otis Redding song, I Can't Stop Loving You? She fucking did it and nailed it. And I was like, this isn't a joke, man. This is legit. Um, so... Just that alone was great. I had the fucking greatest time. So I suggest if you live in L.A., ask around. Because I actually know a handful of people who are members and are friends of members. Yeah. And get in there before you die because it's a great experience. And it's free to get in, although valet parking is 13 bucks, And yeah. I don't know how else you'd get there other than taking an Uber or yeah, something. Yeah, you can take an Uber. Um, so you're going to pay 13 bucks if you drive yourself. Drinks, of course, are not very cheap, but that's all. A dinner, a, you you ate dinner, right? Yeah, you uh, see, you must have had a different level of membership because our for us it was um, not free to get in. Oh, really? And we also like had to eat dinner. Like oh. I don't know how they enforced that. If Maybe, we just yeah. decided to walk around and not right? show up for a reservation. I don't know if they yeah. would take the I guess because we were guests, it's like do whatever you want. You're a guest of a member. Maybe if you have, like, a, I don't know, someone bought you a night at the Magic Castle or something, it's different. But in any case, I'll say this. I'm sure the food's not cheap. It fucking looked delicious. Certainly smelled amazing. Is, yeah, it, was, is it worth the price? Uh, I don't know if it's worth it. It's pretty high-priced. It's decent food. I think it's uh, yeah. high-priced. I'll say that the drinks are worth the price because they fucking pour them strong there. Uh, and uh, and then when we were done, I was closing my bill. The bartender, the gay bartender, is like, "Thank you so much for singing those songs and not singing the th- same shit everyone else sings." And I go, "How many times have you heard single ladies?" And he's like, "Ah!" And he pulls out his wrist and starts cutting it, <laughs> which was funny in its own way. But he's like, "That and don't stop believing." And on when the kids come for brunch, 
it's SpongeBob SquarePants over and over and over again. Like literally, again, again. Uh-huh. And they, she fucking repeats it. So so that was, it was a blast. And I cannot say enough, thank you, Jay Keith. There's pictures of us at there. He was awesome. And it was great spending the night with him and Elliot. Saw Paul Rubens. Oh, cool. Saw Rich Fulcher. Oh, cool. And uh, I, there were a couple other people who I thought I saw, but they were for sure there. But it, it's fucking great. Um, so, you can see those pictures on Facebook. Yeah. And which David is also on. Technically, not really. I don't use it. I'm at BattleshipRetention.com. <laughs> Find me at BattleshipRetention.com. Let's keep, let's keep moving. This episode is going to be a million hours long. Well, it always is a longer one. All right, what's next? And by the way, the radio show was called Smith. Well, no wonder and, I, no yeah. one remembered and it. it. lasted all of seven episodes. Um, okay, uh, Frequency so is next. Frequency. Your turn. Um, it's the TV version of the movie. Again, there's, a, there's a, a lot of shows this year that are based on the movie and that are also the exact same premise, which is odd. Um, but Frequency is a remake of the film starring Dennis Quaid and Jim Caviezel. But it stars Peyton List, who's a girl, as a detective in 2016 who discovers she can speak through a ham radio to her estranged father who died in 96 and was also a detective. They team up to solve cases and there's a butterfly effect on the next day. So I didn't see the movie, but I did watch the trailer for this and she finds this ham radio and starts talking to people and she talks to this guy. In the middle of the conversation, she realizes I'm talking to my dead father hmm. who's alive 10 years ago. And, she, and he says, yeah, I'm going to bust this guy tonight. And she knows he's going to the place where he will be killed. So she says to him, do not go. You're going to be killed. He says, I got to. But when he goes, he doesn't get killed because he has that knowledge. And he busts the guy and he's great. And he comes back. He's like, hey, I made it. I'm alive. She's like, oh, my God, this is great. So you're alive now. So she goes to bed. The next day she wakes up, goes to her work. She doesn't work there. Goes to meet her boyfriend for lunch. He doesn't know who she is. And so it's that. So she realizes, oh, shit, even though I changed that, I changed this as well. So that's the premise of the show. Interesting. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. Um, like I said, Peyton List is uh, the girl in it. Her dad is, is Riley Smith. Uh, her partner or whatever is Mackay Pfeiffer. Anthony Ruivar, who I like, is also on the show. But uh, I, it's on the CW, so it's a little corny, as their shows are. Okay. But um, I, if you li- I guess if you like the movie, you'll like the, the show, is what it comes down to. Um, next up is The Good Place which uh, I don't know if you listened you did listen to the episode I did with, with Kate about Comic Con I, yeah. saw, I saw the pilot uh, at Comic Con it's very very funny I also heard from Tom Griffin who watched the pilot that it was hilarious yes yeah, I, I can't wait to, to see more of it it's uh, Kristen Bell De- uh, and Ted Hansen uh, Ted Hansen Ted Danson uh, and it's a Mike Shore show uh, when Eleanor Kristen Bell realizes that she's not a very good person she gets a chance to start anew with the help of Michael Danson in the afterlife which is yeah. not really no, that's a bad... A, yeah, it basically... It's very she, simple. She dies and goes to heaven. It's not called... Which they called refer the to place. as the good place. Um, and she realizes um, they've got her mixed up with someone else. <laughs> it's a clerical error. Yeah, with her same name. And she's actually an awful person. Yeah. Um, and now she, and the, the, some of the funniest stuff is the flashbacks to her... Of her being life. terrible? Just being terrible. Oh, just good. Like, when she's like... Uh, some guys, there's like a Greenpeace guy asking for signatures for a petition. And she oh, like, she throws a coffee she, at him, right? She throws coffee and like litter is right in front of him. Right. And, she's, and he's like, uh, 
Are you, aren't you going to pick that up? Or he says, like, you missed the trash can or something. And she goes, you pick it up. You're so horny for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the trailer is very funny. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Ted Danson is an angel who's trying to help her adjust. And there's other people there in the good place, heaven as well. But it's funny because it's, you know, Kristen Bell play, has played pretty much, I'd say, 100% nice characters her whole career so far. Yeah. And she's a real terrible person yeah. in this. And But the key is, once she realizes that, she doesn't want to go to hell. Because, like, there's that scene in the trailer and in the first episode where they're having lunch. And they're like, so what's up in the bad place now? Yeah. They're like, well, we can't show you, but I, you can hear it. And it's just screams and yeah. tortured souls. So she doesn't want to go back there. So it's about, A, staying in the good place. And, B, you know, what can she do to make up for that? So it's your typical... Angel going back to, you know, I think there was a movie with Paul Muni a million years ago called Angel on My Shoulder. Okay. Where he dies and goes to heaven. He's a gangster, dies and goes to heaven. And he goes back to earth in another person's body. Oh, okay. Um, or no, no, I'm sorry. He dies and goes to hell. The devil sends him back up to earth in another guy's body to do some terrible shit. But once he gets there, he realizes, oh, I got a second chance. I'm on earth now. I don't have to go back to hell. And he says, I got an angel on my shoulder. And he starts doing good things and goes back up to heaven. So it's, uh, and this is like early black and white movie. They remade it with Peter Strauss as a TV movie. But it's the same premise. But the key is, it's a fucking Mike Shure show. So it's got a million funny jokes in it. Yeah. One of my favorites is that you can't swear there. Yes. And that is so funny. Right? Every time. How is it funny every time? I don't know. It's just... It does two things. One, it's goofy that that it makes her say this "fouled is, up." This is bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> or she says one woman's being a total bench. Um, <laughs> so that's goofy and funny every time. But it's also yeah. a way for them to essentially cuss as much as they right. want and get away with Just it. Just like on Battlestar Galactica, they got yeah. to say "frack" all the time. <laughs> yeah. But but it's funnier because hopefully it, she won't say "bench" every time for "bitch." It'll right. be "bench." It'll be "belch." It'll right. be all different words. <laughs> And I'm going to laugh every time. Maybe I'm an idiot, but I'm going to laugh every time. Yeah. So, yeah, this one is a fucking is gangbusters. And it's going to be on at 10 on Mondays, which is odd. Because that's usually an hour-long drama. Yeah. But yeah. NBC is going to try that again. They know it's strong enough to lead into that hour. All right, moving on to The Great Indoors with Joel McHale and Stephen Fry. An adventure reporter, Joel McHale, must adapt to his new job managing millennials in the digital department of a magazine. So the premise is there's this magazine that's a travel magazine and he's the guy who goes and does shit and then writes about it while he's on the road. While he's off on assignment, Stephen Fry, who is the editor, has to hire all these all these kids to reach out to new uh, viewers and they're all online, social media, blah, blah, blah. They are flat out millennials. He comes back and says, who the fuck are you people? Learn to live your life. They say, you're old and dumb. And therein lies the hilarious humor. Now, I will say, there's a scene in the trailer where he brings in a bear cub, a real live bear cub, to show them what nature is like, and then it ends up eating someone's dog, and he has to go to HR. It's a recurring joke where he's in HR over and over again, because they're mad at him. So that's kind of funny, and it's, you know, it it, it goes to Joe McHale's strength, being a sarcastic douchebag. Stephen Fry is more the English voice of reason on it. But this, I don't know if you read about this, but when they did this show at the Upfronts, all the millennials in the audience got really pissed off about it. Oh. Because it's clearly making fun of them. Like, not not making fun of these three people who are all 
dumb. It's making fun of millennials all over the world. That's weird because usually millennials have such a sense of humor about right? themselves. <laughs> and that was the great part. This millennial fucking idiot who writes for some gay-ass website stands up and goes, Excuse me, but don't you think you're uh, ostracizing millennials from watching the show by making fun of them? And Joel McHale goes, Yes, which is exactly the point. <laughs> You're terrible, and we're making fun of you, and everyone else will watch it and laugh. So, for that reason alone, I'm on board. Okay. And uh, it's going to be on at 8.30 after, I think, Big Bang Theory, so it's a hammock and a half. It's going to okay. get a million people watching. So, that's my, there's my take, my hot take. All right. Next. Uh, great news. Great news, Paul. <laughs> uh, a news producer, Bridget Heelan, uh-huh. can't escape her mom, the great Andrew Martin, who decides to intern at her TV station. Oh, boy. So this is a mid-season show. I did watch the trailer. I like Briga Healing. She was on that show on TBS, uh, Office, not Office Space, but you know what I'm talking about with John McGinley. It was about working in an office. Top floor, ground floor. Ground floor. That's what yes. it was. What she it was the hot chick on ground floor, and she's good and funny. Uh, of course, Andrea Martin, if you've been watching Difficult People, you know she's still as yep. funny as she's ever been. Um, John Michael Higgins, yeah, we like, and Horatio Sands. But the key is, it was created and produced by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. Oh, okay. So there's your comedy right there, and I and it's okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. it sounds like such a dumb premise. It is, like, and it's and it's not. I watched the trailer. There's nothing, you know. Brigitte Heland is the producer. Her mom's like, I'm going back to school, and I'm interning here, and she goes, Oh no. And then throughout the trailer, it's, Oh hi, I'm her mom. You don't smell funny. It's shit like that. Oh, hi, I'm her mom. You actually seem like your boobs are real. It's a million jokes like that. Okay. But here's the the hook. John Michael Higgins uh, is going against type, and he's like the uh, lead anchor on this news show, and he's a total dick. He's very Ted Knight-ish. He's incompetent. He's got a huge ego, and he fires people for no reason. They, they show a scene where he goes, this girl brings him coffee, and he goes, my ex-wife has that sweater. You're fired. He drinks his coffee. So he's a total dick. He's then, like uh, Alexis Denisoff on How I Met Your Mother. Right. Sandy, Sandy Rivers. Sandy. So Andrea Martin, who is a mom, says to him, behave yourself. Go to your dressing room and calm down. And he does, because no one's ever talked to him that way. So they keep her on. And Horatio Sands is the guy in the booth who sits and listens to Brigitte okay. Heelan complain. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, I probably wouldn't be on board. Um, but Andrea, uh, Andrea Martin... Man, she's so funny on Difficult People, right? Yeah, I haven't watched all of it, but yeah, I've seen it. This episode where her and Julie go get their hair done. Holy fuck, it was hysterical. All right, next. On the other hand, Imaginary Mary with Jenna Elfman. After meeting the love of her life and, uh, and his three kids, Jenna Elfman suddenly starts interacting with her childhood imaginary friend, voiced by Rachel Dratch. Now, David can see the imaginary friend in that picture. Yeah. It looks the same the whole time. It doesn't change. It's just a little furry creature with the voice of Rachel Dratch. Not using a weird voice. It's her voice. But it's exactly what you would expect. She's nervous. She doesn't like kids. They make a huge point that she hates kids. Okay. And this guy has three kids and she's super nervous and blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. It's a tired premise. And quite frankly... Everybody hates Jenna Elfman, don't they? Just like they hate Katherine Heigl. Why do people hate Jenna Elfman? She's, well, first, she's a crazy Scientologist. Oh, I didn't know that. Hardcore. And secondly, I have never heard of a good story about her. Everyone I've ever heard who interviewed her or met her, I'll give you an example. When I started working for The Morning After on Hulu, uh, 
uh, I was told about an interview she did with um, Haley Mancini, who was an anchor there. And she was talking about that new 1600 pen where she plays the first lady. Mm-hmm. And, and Haley goes, now this is really a departure for you playing a different character, like from Dharma and Greg. And Jen Olfen goes, yes, it is a different character. Many actors play different characters <laughs> in different shows. A total condescending bitch. So, <laughs> and I've heard, I, I I've heard that's the way she is. So, but again, if the show was funny and if there was anyone good on it, but Rachel Dratch isn't really on it. She's just doing the voiceover. And I don't recognize Steven Schneider plays the dude. I don't know who the fuck he is. The kids aren't very funny. So fuck this show. All right. Is what I say. Moving on. Am I up next? Yeah. Kevin can wait. That's right. I said Kevin, (laughs) not heaven. Um, The King of Queens star, Kevin James, returns to CBS, this time playing a retired cop who realizes that home life is tougher than anything he faced on the street. That can't be true. So if you've watched... So if you watch the commercials, if you're watching anything on CBS, they're pushing the shit out of this, and they're using the King of Queens to, like, it's basically Doug from the King of Queens is talking to Kevin from Kevin Can Wait about his new show. They're making sure everybody knows. Oh, really? Did you like King of Queens? Well, watch this new show. Oh, boy. Because he's really one of the only big-name stars on. It's And Aaron Hayes from Children's Hospital. Plays his wife, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, he's got two kids, a son and a grown-up daughter. Um... And the big, the, the hook of the show, like, I, he's a retired cop, but I think he got shot. That's why he's retired. They don't say that in a pilot, but, it, I mean, he's too young to retire, right? Okay. He's had yeah. to have gotten shot. But he also has all his cop buddies who hang out, just like King of Queens. Um, look, two cats outside. Look at that. Two straight cats in the backyard. Um, but his daughter comes home from college with her new boyfriend, who's a total nerd, who Kevin can't relate to. Uh-huh. So it's that. She drops out so she can support him, blah, blah, blah. But I'll say the scene between him and the son was pretty funny. I liked. And, of course, Aaron Hayes is great. Yeah. So uh, it's on CBS, and it's on at 8.30 on Mondays. It'll be on after, you know, something big on 8. So I don't know. It could go either way. It's Bruce Helford, who, of course, produced uh, the fucking Drew Carey show and, uh, and other good comedies. So I don't know. It's up in the air. It could go either way. Next is Lethal Weapon. Again, another show that's a direct copy of the movie. Yeah. In this case, it's Damon Wayans Sr. as Riggs, I mean Murtaugh, and Clayne Crawford, who's best known as uh, Teddy Jr. from Rectify, Okay. Uh, as uh, Riggs. And it's exactly that. The first episode, he shows up at a bank robbery where these guys are going to blow it up. He disarms them and gets everybody out. But then the bank blows up. <laughs> and like he's walking slowly out of the bank. He's like, everybody good? And then boom! So they show up. He's like, this man like, is crazy. It's that shit. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, there's nothing new in this. Uh, McGee is one of the producers. Jordana Brewster is uh, their boss, I think. Yeah. Or no, Kevin Ram is their boss. Jordana Brewster is his and shrink. Kevin Ram is Ted Chow from Mad Men, right? Yes. Yeah. And there is a funny scene in the... Uh, the trailer where he walks into the office like Kevin Ram is talking to Damon Wayans when Damon Wayans is saying, this guy's crazy. I don't want him as my partner. And he walks in and goes, hey, we got a DOA downtown. And uh, and <laughs> Damon Wayans goes, he's dead? And Chase Crawford goes, yeah, does that mean something different here? And Kevin <laughs> Ram goes, no. He's like exasperated. So he's that boss. Wait, you said 
It's Clayne Crawford, right? Oh, what did I say? Chase? You said Chase Crawford. Yeah. That's a dude, though, right? Uh, yeah. The guy from Blood and Oil and uh, uh, Gilmore. Yeah, Gilmore uh, uh, Gossip Girls. Gossip Girls? Yeah. Yeah. Gossip so, Girls. Uh, so, I don't know. It, he's really sexy. I could see women watching the show for him alone. And okay. Damon Wayans, of course, black don't crack. He doesn't look a day over fucking 35. So, uh, <laughs> and honestly, I, I forgot how funny Damon Wayans was, uh, you know. Because his son is so fucking hysterical. <laughs> but he's good on this show. It's like watching a more cooler version of Damon Wayans Jr. But I'll watch it. It might get old. But it's if you like the movie, I don't know why you wouldn't watch the show. It's bottom line. Speaking of remakes. Uh, MacGyver starring Lucas Till and George Eads. Uh, Till plays the titular problem solver in the reboot, which follows 20-something MacGyver as he starts a clandestine organization to prevent disasters from happening. So in this one, he starts the organization. He's he doesn't a cult work. <laughs> he doesn't work for it. Lucas Till played Havoc in the X Men movies. Okay, you might remember him as that. George Eads was on CSI. Yes. He was the best guy on CSI. Um, uh, the, I didn't like the trailer. At one point, he's cobbling together shit from you know stuff off the floor, and George Eads goes, "This isn't time for a science experiment." And you're like. You, what are you, a fucking moron? <laughs> this is MacGyver, you idiot. So that alone made me go, fuck this show. But I like Lucas Till, and I certainly liked MacGyver, the original. And at one point in the, in the trailer, he says, this is something my dad taught me. So I think there might be an allusion that Angus MacGyver is his dad oh, or okay. uncle or something. But uh, it, there's a lot of action, because the original MacGyver was kind of done on the cheap. On purpose, like he would use pieces of paper, and yeah. it was all about it was it wasn't action; it was more suspense. But at this one, like at one point, he's hanging off a plane and trying to get inside, and he jimmies the door so he can get in the plane before it takes off. So it's shit like that. Uh, I don't know. If, I know people who were crazy about the original MacGyver; thought it was the best show ever. So, <laughs> all right, making history yet another this time travel show. This it is, is good. one Great of cast. four time travel shows, but yes, amazing cast: Adam Pally and Leighton Meester, and and, y- and Yasser Lesu. Yasser is hilarious. Uh, but this is a half-hour sitcom. The premise being, uh, this is I'm not going to read this because it's not very accurate. The premise is Adam Pally has built a time machine <laughs> out of a burlap sack and electronics, and every weekend he gets in it and goes back to colonial times. I guess that's the only place he can go. Mm-hmm. Leighton Meester is his girlfriend back then. She's a colonial woman that he meets and falls in love with. And because he goes there so often, he basically has a life there. But it's right around the revolutionary times, right? Like right when Paul Revere was doing his ride. Mm -hmm. And at one point he goes back and there's a million revolutionary soldiers there. He's like, what happened? He goes, yeah, they just fucking showed up and took over. He's like, nobody warned you? Nobody was yelling the British are coming? They're like, no, I don't know why that would happen. So he's like, okay, I got to fix this. And he's going to be Paul Revere. But he's also, he's in college, and his buddy, uh, I don't, I, Yasser Lester, is a, a professor. So he tells him, listen, I go back in time every weekend, but I don't know enough about revolutionary history. you got to help me. So they dress up in their revolutionary shit and go back in time to fix shit. But, of course, as soon as he stands up to say something, what happens? What? When Yasser Lester stands up oh, to say something? Because he's black. Yes, they go, a slave! Get him! An escaped slave! But the great part is Adam Pally's like, because he's trying to do a speech about brotherhood and freedom or whatever, and he's like, switch it up. You know, you, you're losing them. So Yasser Lester goes, show me the money! <laughs> and everyone's on board with that. So it's really funny. 
Uh, and for some reason, ham is like a like money there. Like <laughs> ham is so delicious, but so hard to get in the revolutionary times that like soldiers come up and go, "Who are you?" And he goes, "Ham." And they're like, "Cool." And they take the ham and they're fine with that. So it's back and forth like that. And Leighton Meester's his girlfriend, but the the premise seems dumb and the description's even dumber. But the trailer was very very funny. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. All right, um, Man with a Plan. This is the new Matt LeBlanc uh, show. Right. Um, a contractor becomes a stay-at-home dad when his wife returns to work and discovers that his kids are the worst. The worst. And uh, again, this is one of. But that's confusing syntax. I'm, I'm guessing he discovers that his kids are the worst. Yes. Worst because it makes it sound like his wife discovers that. <laughs> well, again, just like there's four time travel shows, this is one of three stay-at-home dad shows, including Kevin Can Wait. Right. And Marlin, which is the next one. Um, <laughs> now, originally, if you watch the trailer online, Jenna uh, Fisher plays his wife, and okay. they cut her out of it as much as possible because they obviously recast it with Jessica Chaffin, who is uh, Rona and Beverly. One of she's either Rona or Beverly. Yeah. I don't know which one. Um, but uh, it's funny because I I thought, oh, I like Jenna Fisher. Why would they recast it? And I was looking at, at her uh, IMDb. Apparently, she is the his romantic lead in the next season of episodes, which I believe has already aired in England, possibly. So just, so what happened is they did this pilot with Jenna Fisher. Then he worked with Jessica Chaffin for a season and said to somebody, let's get Jessica Chaffin in that role. And they booted her. Or maybe it just wasn't working out. Maybe she left the show anyways, and they moved her in. But, uh, the, in the trailer, you know, he's trying to be the dad and the kids are stupid. And then he discovers that if he takes away their Wi-Fi, they'll do whatever he says. That's his big victory. So it's not great. But if you like, you know, he's got gray hair. He's not Joey. Right. You know, if you like Matt LeBlanc, you like the show. But even, I will say again, it's another CBS sitcom that's airing at 8.30 after something big. But this is the one I say does not last. Okay. What's... What's next? This one's going to last. Marlin, which is mid-season, so that already that's a bad sign, and it's on, but it's on NBC. And again, same fucking show. Based on Wayne's life, the sitcom stars a comedian as an internet celebrity who's trying to co-parent with his ex-wife. Same fucking show. She has a job, he stays home and makes videos, raises his little son and his teenage daughter. Um, it's him and Essence Atkins are the mom and dad, and then a bunch of other people who I don't know or care about. Now, here's what I want to say. We all know I hate Marlon Wayans and I have a beef with him. And and even, you know, if I were to meet Marlon Wayans, I'd probably continue the beef just for because it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But the sitcom is, is cute. And there's definitely an audience. If you like Marlon Wayans, the show's great. Okay. I'll say that much. But this is my big problem with it. In the trailer, uh, he's eating dinner or eating breakfast with his daughter who's talking about getting bullied at school. And he goes, what? You go to an all-white private school. How are you getting bullied? Which, first of all, yeah, we they don't do that anymore. Certainly not in private schools. Mm-hmm. Private schools get sued by rich families when their kids get bullied. So he's like, how does... And she goes, what do you mean? And he's like, white people are genetically predisposed to be afraid of black people. All you have to do is raise your voice, and every bully will, black down, will back down. <laughs> Which is also true. <laughs> if, especially if you're a kid. I don't, you know, I don't care what young white girl is not going to be afraid of the black girl who goes, oh, no, you didn't, because then he gets up and gives her an example of how to be, and that's pretty funny. So then the next scene, they're in the principal's office, and the principal is like, well, there was an incident. 
But the incident is that she got up and did her black walk and said her shit. She didn't hit anybody. She didn't insult or disrespect anybody. She didn't destroy property. So what's the fucking problem? That's what you do. You stand up to a bully, right? Yeah. In your own way. You wouldn't stand up to a bully and go, oh, no, you didn't. You'd stand up to a bully and go, listen, motherfucker, I have six brothers and sisters. Yeah. There's nothing you can do that's going to scare me. That's the David Bax bully. Sure. I stand up to a guy and go, hey, asshole, I'm a 50-year-old man who just tried to kill himself. Fuck you. <laughs> you stand up to a bully with the way that works for you. So why is she being called into the principal's office? She did the exact right thing. Why isn't the bully in the fucking principal's office? That's the biggest problem with this show, not the talentless Marlon Wayans. Okay. So um, there you go. Let's try to motor through some here, because this is going on a long time. Are you, are you falling asleep? <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. The next one, another Fox uh, sitcom called The Mick, starring right. Caitlin Olsen. Right. Uh, who's hilarious and Sophia Black D'Elia who was uh, recently murdered on the night of right is, it, <laughs> is that the girl who plays uh, Andrew oh Cornish yeah I think of? you're right I think you're right um, and Olsen plays Mackenzie the Mick Murphy an irresponsible hustler who has to raise her bratty rich nieces and nephews after her sister and brother-in-law flee the country to avoid federal charges so uh, just knowing Caitlin Olsen's whole uh, thing I feel like this could work yeah, she's the ne'er-do-well sister. She shows up at their house while they're having a party to ask for money, and the feds come and arrest everybody. And as they're getting hauled away, they're like, take care of the kids. So she has to take care okay. of the bratty teenage daughter, the the younger son, who's actually the red-haired kid in that Old Navy Amy Schumer commercial. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's pretty funny. Yeah. And then the little son, who's an innocent, cute little boy. Um, but there's this great scene where they she's dropping him off at school. And this kid is like, like walks right up to the red-haired kid and bullies him. She's like, dude, don't try to fight back. Just make fun of him. Girls love the, the funny guy, uh-huh. which is true. Okay. So then he comes home with a black guy. She's like, what happened? Did you make fun of it? Did you pull his pants down? She's like, he's like, yes. And did you make fun of his little dick? And he goes, it was enormous. <laughs> I thought he was going to hit me with it, <laughs> which is great, right? Hysterical. That is so, funny. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. much the opposite of you know the, all those other shows. Yeah. So I give that one a thumbs up. Uh, Midnight Texas. I didn't see the premiere for this. Um, it's on NBC midseason. It's based on books written by the True Blood lady Charlene Harris. Oh, Stars okay. a bunch of people I've never heard of. Plus Yul Vasquez. Who the fuck's that? Uh, he's uh, the one who goes who who doesn't want to wear the ribbon. From uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, okay. Who will wear the ribbon, right? Who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? The Spanish guy. So, but I don't know. It's vampires, which it seems like some of the same old shit. Uh, I'd be surprised if this makes it on the air. Um, all right, so let's skip to No Tomorrow, which looks good on CW. Oh, um, okay. Uh, let me, sorry. Um, all right. No Tomorrow on the CW. Uh, based on a Brazilian format, the, uh, the comedy focuses on procurement, a procurement manager by Tori Anderson who falls for a man played by Josh Sass. Who lives every day like it's his last. Together they try to fulfill every item on their bucket lists. So here's the, sounds good to you? Well, here's the key. Okay. He's sort of crazy, but he doesn't think... He's not a doomsday guy. He's a scientist who has predicted that a meteor will come and destroy Earth on a particular day. Okay. So, because he honestly believes this in the science, he's just living life. He's not going around with a sign, the end is near. He's just living his life. That's Gallivant, by the way. That's who that guy is. Okay. The lead in Gallivant. So they meet, and he's like, oh yeah, the world's ending. And she falls in love with him, and then she's like, oh, but he's crazy. But then they cross paths again, and she's like, well, I guess it's meant to be. So he teaches her how to live life. But here's why I'm going to watch it. Because if the show's a success, they're going to eventually reach that date, right? 
Okay. And they're going to have to make a decision. And if the show's great, they'll do something great. If it's terrible, they'll do something terrible. So I think the jury's out until they reach that date. <laughs> but he's very charming, and he's certainly handsome, you know. Uh, but you watch the trailer, and you'll, you'll see that it's, it's quite charming. But Amy Peets plays her boss, who's good. I don't know anybody else on the show. Okay. All right, Notorious. This looks like a piece of shit. Piper Parabo and Daniel Sujata are the stars. Um, inspired by the lives of criminal defense attorney Mark Garagos and cable news producer Wendy Walker, the drama examines the 24-hour news cycle and the relationship between the media and criminal law. So she's a producer of a news 24-hour news show, CNN. He's a lawyer who is always in front of the camera for his clients. And they're constantly arguing in front of people, but the truth is they're working together and they're fucking, and it's all collusion. But I like these two, and I like them on their other shows they were on, but the trailer looked like a piece of shit. I like that it has J. August Richards in it. Um, Just because he was gun? Just because he was gun. Yeah. Uh, And he's he's actually, uh, I saw him moderate a panel at Comic-Con a couple years ago. He's a really entertaining guy. Um, All right. And Amy Teagarden. All right. uh, This one I am excited for. Pitch on Fox. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Kylie Bunbury uh, stars uh, as Ginny Baker who defies the odds to become the first woman to play in the MLB when she joins the San Diego Padres as its pitcher Um, sounds like a cool premise I'm glad that the MLB and the Padres are actually on board that's the best thing about it it actually involves the Major League Baseball which means they can use all the names of the teams they can use all the right uniforms they can get major league baseball players to play themselves yeah. in episodes which i'm sure they're going to do the, the 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 possible downside of that though is that they the show can't be too critical you know what i'm saying cuz they're never going to do a steroid episode you, i guarantee you that <laughs> right right like the, the, i think the last show about baseball was called clubhouse it was about a kid who was a bat boy for a major league team the first episode he busts this guy for using steroids uh-huh. and everybody hates him um, but it didn't last. But this one... Now, here's the premise. It's the first woman in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's problematic. Because that will never happen. Why? Because women... She's a pitcher, first of all. Mm-hmm. Women cannot throw a fastball as fast as a man. I don't care how fast you throw it. Well, every man can throw it faster than you because of the, the structure. But here's the key. All right, if you say so. Let I don't me, know enough about uh, physiology. But here's the key. Her dad, Michael Beach who's great, says that to her in exactly those words. And he says, so you need to have a, a secret weapon. What's that secret weapon? I don't know. Screwball. Okay. The, the pitch that pretty much has been abandoned by pitchers because it's really hard on your arm. You stick to the fastball and the curveball because the, the point of the screwball is it goes the other way. It mm-hmm. curves inward and it's almost impossible to hit. But it's so hard to throw... You can maybe throw it for a year before you're done completely. So he teaches her how to throw a screwball, and there you go. That's the job. So the believability is all right there, and it's okay. great. And even better, Mark Paul Gossler is the starting pitcher she replaces, who's not happy about it. So that's believable. Mark Consuelos is like the PR guy who really wants this to work for his team, of course. Dan Laurie is the coach. You remember him as Fred Savage's dad. Of course. He's brilliant. Yeah. Um, you got Bob Balaban. Bob Balaban's on the fucking show. It's a great show. supporting cast. Yeah, and it uh, and it's really uh, if you watch the trailer, you'll kind of you'll get goosebumps because it's really inspiring and the and obviously the fact you know Major League Baseball you know they don't go into shit lightly. They obviously right. said this has to be a wholesome, good you know feel good show. So I think they succeeded. I, I think it's awesome. 
Right. Speaking uh, of awesome, this next show looks great. I think this is you. Oh, okay. So the next show is Powerless on NBC, which most of us have heard of. Yeah. Vanessa Hudgens, Alan Tudyk, Danny Pudi. The DC Comics workplace comedy focuses on insurance adjusters, blah, blah, blah. So it's basically that comic damage control. Yeah. But, uh, which people have been saying for years, please make a movie or TV show out of it. And they did. They're just insurance adjusters who specialize in damage done by uh, superheroes. As they show in the first episode, the building falls apart. They show up to assess the damage and what they want to pay and not pay. And there's one funny scene in the trailer. Well, you and Kate talked about it, and I think she watched the trailer too. But there's one funny scene where they're talking about what to pay. And they're like, well... Since Wonder Woman did the damage, is that act of God? And Vanessa Hudgens <laughs> like, well, she's a demigod technically, so it's a gray area. That's Just funny. deny it and we'll see what happens. And, of course, Josh Fadum and Kate McCucci are on it. They're partners. And as Kate said, Kate Kulzig said, uh, there's the, the, uh, Josh Fadum is convinced someone in the office is a Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> and then they show a scene where uh, shit happens and this guy takes off his glasses and runs out. And he's like, I think he's the Green Lantern. <laughs> and Kate Mikuchi's like, no, I tested it. And they show her breaking a chair on his back. <laughs> and so it's funny like that. And again, much like Pitch, because it's DC, they can use Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. And I'm sure people from the movies are going to show up, at least in a limited way. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, and uh, the premise is Alan Tudyk is their new boss, who shows up and says, we need 25% more denials. Vanessa Hutchins says, that's not the way this business works. We give the money to people who deserve it, and we deny people who don't. And he says, oh, okay, well then, no more bagels, and half of you are fired. And it's that. So she right. stands up against him and says, we're going to do it our way. Um, but in the meantime, there's a million superhero jokes, and so Danny Pudi's her partner, and they're trying to save it, and blah, blah, blah. But it looks great. I think it's going to be one of those shows that's too good for TV, quite frankly. Because oh, I think your average sitcom watcher is going to watch it and go I don't read comic books and immediately tune out right. whereas you and me read comic books love Danny Pudi love TV mm-hmm. it's it's too good for network TV it should have been on cable that's what I say alright uh, prison, prison Break Reboot same thing it's right. the exact same fucking show yeah. they discover that Michael's actually alive he's in some weird prison his brother goes to break him out and everybody is back literally Sarah Wayne Callies, Robert Nepper, Rockman Dunbar, Amori Milasco. Everybody is back, and Mark Fierstein is added. So, uh, I don't know. Did you like Prison Break? I never watched it. So, uh, then you probably won't want to watch this yeah. at the bottom line. Um, it's the exact same fucking show. But I guess the deal is, because they're on Legends of Tomorrow, two of them are on there together oh, okay. as bad guys. So, there's a, a more a renewed interest in these guys. All right, Pure Genius. This one I'm interested in. Yeah, um... Stars uh, Augustus Prue and Dermot Mulrooney. A Silicon Valley millionaire, Prue, taps a veteran surgeon with a controversial past, Mulroney, to head a hospital that will employ groundbreaking but potentially risky new procedures. So much like APB, he's a tech millionaire who opens his own hospital where everything is as cutting edge as possible. Dermot Mulrooney is the actual doctor who he hires to be the head doctor guy. And of course... They go back and forth about what medicine is. But here's the hook that they don't mention anywhere except in the trailer. Uh, Augustus Prue is dying from this very incredibly rare disease. And he says, I'm the smartest man on the planet, but in three years I won't even know my own name. So that's what he's all about. He's all about curing this disease. And in the first episode they get the dude who has it, who's dying from it now, and 
get him to the hospital. So it's got a, it's got a great premise, and yeah. uh, Odette Annabelle is on it, Brenda Song, Resh Machete, who are all super hot and good actresses. So, and again, people who love Dermot Mulroney, which is yeah. almost all of the female population, will certainly watch it. And it's on CBS, the show where chicks watch hot guys. Okay. All right, um, next. Uh, Riverdale. That's, uh, yeah, Riverdale is um, based on the Archie Comics characters. Uh, the series finds Archie, uh, played by KJ Appa, Betty. I'm not going to go through all the actresses because I don't Yeah, know. it's all uh, Betty, Veronica, Jughead, and Josie uh, trying to navigate life in their small town, which is not as wholesome as it seems. That's what it's not telling you because I went to a Archie. I didn't watch the pilot, even though they showed it at Comic-Con, uh, but I did. I was at the, the panel, um, and uh, um, what's the character's name? Jason Blossom, Cherry Blossom's p- twin brother. I don't know. I don't know how you know Archie Comics. No. Um, Jason Blossom gets characters. murdered. In the right. first episode, so it is a an yeah. They're saying it's history. it's Archie Comics meets Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. And Luke uh, Luke Perry plays Archie's dad. Cole Sprouse is Jughead, which is funny. You know, the kid from Big Daddy grew up to play <laughs> Jughead on a TV show. Um, I don't know. I'll say this: Imaginamic is on it, who was on Twin Peaks. I'll say this: It's either going to be the dumbest fucking thing on TV. Or everyone's going to be... It's going to be like a new Stranger Things. Everyone will be talking about how crazy and awesome it is. I hope it's that. Yeah. Because it makes very little sense to me. And there are no trailers for it uh, online. Because I don't oh, know okay. why. I saw interviews, but... Yeah, I think whatever. that's what they showed at the thing. I was Maybe because they just want to keep it a secret. Yeah. Um, it, but, yeah, it's a mid-season premiere. So yeah, but even like the kid playing Archie doesn't have like bright orange hair. So it's not cartoonish at all. And like apparently Josie as in Josie and the Pussycats, mm-hmm. is like the villainess of the se- of the show. Oh, that's interesting. So, and she is Betty and Veronica's nemesis. So, whatever. So, who knows? I'm going to watch, but we'll see. Next, Shots Fired, with Sanaa Lathan and Stephen Moyer, Helen Hunt, Richard Dreyfuss, uh, Stephen James, Alicia Hines, and Tristan Wilde. The event series will examine the aftermath of racially charged police shootings in a Tennessee town. Um, she, Sanaa Lathan stars as an investigator... Works along a special prosecutor uh, sent to the town by the Department of Justice. So the premise is this young black cop shoots a white kid. And they find videotape of him at his celebration party going, check it out, I got a license to kill crackers. So now he's on trial for murder. She's black. It's basically like this new wave of like American crime. And, yeah. Uh, but it's also, uh, it's not a series. It's, they say it's an event. It's one season only. Okay. So, uh, amazing cast, obviously, Dreyfus, Helen Hunt, and people like that. And I'm sure it'll push every button in America. But I'll watch. It already sounds like, switching the races around already sounds like some all lives matter bullshit to me. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm on board. All right. All right. Um, also, I'm... Regrettably, not really on board with Son of Zorn. Really? Because I saw. Well, I should very cautiously, because at Comic Con I saw the presentation pilot from a year ago. Oh. Because okay. they they only showed us a couple scenes from the actual pilot because the animation wasn't done yet, so they right. finished it. So there are full blown uh, trailers online now that look funny. Yeah, and it it just seems uh, like it. And maybe between the presentation pilot and the actual actual pilot, they tightened some stuff up, but it didn't really seem beyond being an excuse for uh, weird jokes about 
So the premise, sorry. The, well, the don't, don't read that premise. Tell okay. him the actual premise. Um, He's J- like He-Man. Jason, even though at the panel for Son of Zorn, they were very careful to never actually use the word He-Man. Well, Jason right. Sudeikis plays He-Man, essentially, except his name is Zorn, uh, who has a human uh, wife, or ex-wife, played by Cheryl Hines, and a half-human, uh, half-animated son, played by Johnny Pemberton. Um, although I think... I just gave away a spoiler from the pilot. Uh, we don't know he's half animated at first. That's oh, really? That's no. Reveal. In the trailer, they, he's completely uh, human. Uh, and um, he returns from his island, which I forget the name of, where everyone is like him. Yeah, Zephy- uh, the land of Zephyria. The land of Zephyria, uh, where it's an all animated uh, island uh, to try and reconnect with his ex-wife and his, and his son. Yeah. Tim Meadows plays Cheryl Hines' new fiancé. <laughs> and he's h- hilarious. Yes, yeah, very he plays. Funny. I'm not sure if this is in the trailer, what he does for a living. He's a professor in an online university, so there's like running jokes of him like teaching, but he's just facetiming. He's just like nice. walking around the house, like uh, facetiming and lecturing. Yeah, here's um, here's the here's the thing about the show. It's it's like you know Roger Rabbit or any of these ideas where yeah. it blends real life and and but the the good thing is he's the only animated character. Like there's that giant bird that he wants to give his son. And, yeah, and there will and be shit like that. Someone understand there will be more guests uh, and all, but those are the jokes, yeah. obviously. And, but they're funny because there's a scene where he shakes Tim Meadows' hand uh-huh. and he goes, Ah, Zorn, you're clearly squeezing my hand too hard in an effort to intimidate me. <laughs> and it hurts quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. It's shit like that. And then, like, he, but he decides to stay there and get a job in an office. And, like, they go out to dinner. Him and Johnny Pemberton go out to dinner and he's like, Wench! Food and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. So there's a million jokes like that, but they're done by very funny people. And also, it aren't Phil Lord and yeah, Chris Miller? Yeah, it's a Phil Lord and Chris Miller show, so that's yeah. definitely a, a plus. Sure. Because they do good stuff. Um, I'd say most of the... And I said this on the recap Comic-Con episode. Um, most of the best jokes are about Zephyria, because we learned that it's an incredibly barbarically violent place. Yeah. And so people are constantly being slaughtered. And Yeah, uh, he, brings, he brings Johnny Pemberton, and in an effort to be a father, he brings his son, this war hawk, yeah. To teach him how to drive, which is a giant hawk that you can ride. And, of course, <laughs> Cheryl Hines comes out and goes, no, 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 no. Uh-huh. No war hawks for my son. Get it out of here. And Zorn's like, fine. And he stabs it to kill it. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's easy. He didn't feel anything. But it's still alive. Yeah. And he keeps, he's like sawing the head off. Yeah. And then later on, they show there's just pieces of it in the garbage. Yeah. So uh, it looked really funny to me. But it could be one of those things that's funnier in the trailer. We'll see. Uh, next, Speechless on ABC is a family drama with Minnie Driver and John Ross Bowie as the parents. Mason Cook, Michael Fowler, Kyla Kennedy are the kids, and Cedric Yarbo, Yarbro is uh, this black dude who works at the school they go to. So the premise is, uh, it's just a family comedy, but the kid, I think Michael Fowler, is a disabled kid who's in a wheelchair who cannot speak, and in real life as well. And like, there's plenty of jokes where he holds up his hand but he can't move his fingers so this is how he gives the finger to people all four fingers um but it's like it's it's groundbreaking because it's the first you know sitcom with an actual disabled person playing a disabled person uh the whole first episode is them trying to get him into the school which doesn't even have a ramp so they have to use the garbage ramp in the back of the school and mini driver is of course very outspoken about that but uh, it sounds dumb, but I watched the trailer and it made me laugh. And John Rouse Bowie, I consider a friend of mine, so uh, I, I will watch it. All right. 
uh, Star is a weird uh, TV yeah. guy has a weird description here yeah. by pointing out that it's not an Empire spinoff <laughs> um, but it's Queen of Teeth Benjamin Bratt and some other people uh, follows the three young singers as they try to make it big in the cutthroat world of the music business yeah it's these two sisters who, who grow up sort of in poverty they want to be singers they eventually hook up with this chick who's rich and wants to be a singer the three of them form a girl group boom it's girl empire is what it is okay. uh, but the trailer looked stupid to me now I thought the same thing about empire and I love that show so we'll see but I, I understand Queen Latifah is not in every episode but much like oh, okay. much like Empire, there's a lot of actual musicians on it. All right, still Starcrossed. <laughs> this has got to be the highest uh, concept of the fucking year. Uh, I, I love, I, I'm only just now hearing of this. I love it. It's basically uh, a Shondaland show. It's about what happened after Romeo and Juliet killed themselves. Um, so what happens in the trailer is Romeo and Juliet kill themselves. The two families are like, this means war. People are dying all over the place. The head of the the remaining head of the Capulet family, who was black for some reason, says, "Enough! I'm going to marry my daughter to Benvolio, who is actually in Romeo and Juliet, yeah. and I think he's Rome, uh, Romeo's cousin, in an effort to unite the families." She says, "I don't want to marry him. I don't love him, and I hate him, as a matter of fact." But they do it anyway. So it's almost like, do you love watching uh, Grey's Anatomy and all these? Uh, sexy shows that Shonda Rhimes does well imagine there's a Shakespearean one where they wear fancy clothes and speak yeah. in highfalutin language this is what I'm saying I think I love it that's what it is it's uh, it's weird I'll say that but I think some people are going to dig it um, alright Taken all right. is uh, next oh yeah another movie adaptation well, this, this, although this one is not a uh, complete just remake it's a prequel right um, yeah Clive Stanton plays uh Brian Mills, whatever Liam Neeson's character. And there's Jennifer Beals and Gaius Charles, who are great. The premise is, in the trailer, he's on a train with his sister, just gotten out of the army. He's already that guy. Uh But there's two dudes on a train that he sees. He takes them down, but his sister gets killed. So now he's pissed and decides to go after these guys. In the meanwhile, Jennifer Beals is like the head of some clandestine organization. Is it the same one from MacGyver? (laughs) <laughs> probably uh, but they notice him and they keep an eye on him and eventually they go to him and say we want you to work for us so they all work together I was hoping it was basically before he was a badass like he walks into a Starbucks and says hi can I get a latte and they go well our blender's broken so we only have regular coffee and he goes well I have a particular set of skills one of them is making coffee and fixing blenders and he goes back there and does it <laughs> everywhere he goes Oh, my dog needs to go out. Well, I have a particular set of skills, including walking dogs. But, yeah, it's just, it's a prequel, so, I don't know. It didn't look great to me. Next, This Is Us on NBC. The ensemble dramedy follows a group of people who share the same birthday, whose lives intersect in different ways, blah, blah, blah. It's just a drama about people and their feelings and shit. Milo Ventimiglia and Mandy Moore are a pregnant couple, and as she's giving birth, uh, I guess, like, they got in utero, so there was triplets, but one of them dies. Okay. And so it's just that. It's just heavy drama. But it's, so, Milo Ventimiglia, Mandy Moore, and their triplets all have the same birthday? (laughs) No. No. One person in each story. There's three stories. One person in each story have the same birthday, so they intersect. I like my version better. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just corny. It's, It's a fucking bad hook, in my opinion. Uh, Justin Hartley, who uh, yeah. played 
Arrow on Smallville is on it. What was that J.J. Abrams show from a few? Yeah, it's just like that. I was going to say. the name of. Yeah, Six Lives or whatever, but with uh, Campbell Scott and all those people and Bridget Moynihan, which I liked. It was a good show because it was just about, they just happened to cross paths every once in a while. But this one seems fucking corny, so I say, fuck it. Time after time. Yep. Uh, Based on the novel and movie, the fantasy cat and mouse game features H.G. Wells, played by Freddie Stroma. Um, which you might know from Unreal, yep. was transported to present-day Manhattan to capture Jack the Ripper. So this one goes into both. It's a time travel show, uh-huh. and it's based on a movie. Now, I'll say Time After Time is one of my favorite movies of all time. Is that Christopher Reeves? Who's in no, that movie? No, that's Somewhere in Time. Somewhere in this Time. This is Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen. Okay. Malcolm McDowell plays H.G. Wells. The premise is H.G. Wells and Jack the Ripper are friends, but they don't know he's Jack the Ripper. And it's, uh, what's his name from Tron, is Jack the Ripper. You know okay. what I'm talking about? The old guy? Yeah, kind of. Um, so they're friends. They discover, oh no, our friend John is Jack the Ripper. They go to get him, but in the meantime, H.G. Wells has built this time machine that he showed his friends. So Jack the Ripper jumps in it, escapes to the future. Mm-hmm. Because of the way the time machine is built, it has a homing device, so it comes back. H.G. Wells says, I gotta go after him. Gets in it, goes to the future, shows up in a museum which is where the time machine lives in the future Uh he gets out and they're like who the fuck is this he's got a gun whatever eventually he hooks up with mary steenbergen who is his contact there in the future and they chase him down now in this one it's uh cromwell from unreal is hg wells okay and uh the, the the kid who plays jack the ripper was on um uh uh revenge and he was very good but in the movie, they eventually find him and, you know, they all live happily ever after. Obviously, this, they have to stretch it out for a whole season. Yeah. I don't know. Malcolm McDowell and whoever that, John, what's his name, and Mary Steenburgen. And they were married at the time, McDowell and Steenburgen. Okay. So, it's a great movie. And, but it was made, like, in the 70s. Right. So, it's fucking million years old. But I'm on board. Speaking of time travel, though, Timeless on NBC, starring Abigail Spencer and a bunch of other people. A trio is tasked with traveling through time to catch a criminal, blah, blah, blah. This one looks like bullshit. Gorn Visnik is a bad guy who steals a time machine and goes back in time, and they don't know why, but they just know they got to stop him. Abigail Spencer is a genius who they recruit to help find him because they have, the government apparently has a time machine that they use all the time. So they go back in time to the Hindenburg where he made it blow up. And she finds him, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, this is... I'm, he's like, I'm not the bad guy here. Mm-hmm. So it's like that. But it, I love Abigail Spencer. And the best part is Malcolm Barrett, who is the black guy in that picture, you might remember from Better, Better Off Ted. Ted. Yeah. They say to him, we need you to go with her. And he's like, uh, I'm a black guy. I can't go back in time. I can't even go to the 60s. He says that out loud. And you're like, yeah, but you need to anyways. And no, for no good reason. Mm-hmm. And so he immediately gets thrown. They go back to like the South in the 40s and he gets thrown in jail because he's a black guy in a, in a southern town. So the trailer looked fucking stupid, but I'm not on board. All right. Um, another movie, ba- another TV show based on a movie. Yeah, although I'm weirdly a little bit interested in this one. It actually uh, looks good. Training Day, based on the 2001 movie. You know what it's about. Uh, but basically, <laughs> they've. Uh, uh, it's two different guys. Um, they're, yeah. not, they're not the same characters. No, but the the, the premise about a uh, young idealistic LAPD officer partnered with a morally questionable detective, they've uh, switched the, the races here, right. which is fine. Uh, 
but uh, particularly exciting because that means Bill Paxton is playing essentially the Denzel Washington role, and right. uh, I love Bill Paxton. And Justin Cornwell is the young black, black idealistic cop. In the so in the first episode, and again, how do they stretch this out into a series? So in the first episode, Bill Bill Paxton goes to the crack house, throws a bunch of smoke bombs inside. Uh-huh. All the dudes run out with their money and their crack, and he goes. You guys are closed for business. <laughs> this he says this franchise is now out of business, and he grabs all their money and goes, "Have a nice day." <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, motherfucker!" And he's like, "Sorry, that's what I do." So then this new cop he says, "You know, he basically does the exact same thing. You're not going to make it. You're not even going to make it throughout the day." But he does, and he goes home to his wife and says, "This guy I'm working with is going to get someone killed. I don't want it to be me. I'm going to save him." So that's the premise, is them butting heads constantly, but then Cornwell saying, you don't have to be this guy. Okay. So the this, to me, it lives and dies by the acting. It's also got Julie Benz yeah. uh, and uh, Lex Scott Davis and some other people, so it looks okay. All right, last but not least, Trial and Error. Um, with John Lithgow, Nick Diagosto, Jama Mays, Sherry Shepard, and some other people. The comedy finds New York lawyer uh, D'Agosto traveling to a southern town to defend a quirky professor, Lithgow, who's accused of murdering his wife. Now, it's a comedy, but here's the hook. It's a mockumentary. It's shot documentary style. Okay. And it's basically a straight-up parody of Making a Murderer. That's oh. exactly what it is. It's this guy, John Lithgow. The first scene, uh, the news is there at his house while he's being dragged out uh, holding his dog. He's like, I did murder my wife. I'd never hurt anybody. And the cops drag him off and he gives his dog to the reporter and says, watch my dog. And she's like, well, there you have it, holding the dog. And as he gets in the car to drive away, he's still holding the leash. So that's the first gag in the show. So it's really dark, obviously, because a woman has been murdered Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're trying to get him off. But it's a comedy. It's a fucking half hour comedy. And you might remember Nick Diagosto from uh, Masters of Sex. He was her doctor boyfriend. First season. Okay. And he also plays Harvey Dent on Gotham. Okay. Jama Mays, of course, from Glee. And, of course, the terrible and horrible Sherry Shepard. That's the one thing that will stop me from watching the show. Because <laughs> I'll watch anything with John Lithgow, quite frankly. But if her role is big, fuck it. Because I hate her. All right. So that's every show. Right? Yeah, but that's not every well, there's the a, episode. There's a couple more. There's American Gods on Stars, which is looks fucking right. these amazing. Are, these are just network shows. And then there's Will. I did want to mention Will on TNT, which is the young Shakespeare show. It's about young William Shakespeare, oh. who shows up at the Globe Theater asking for a job. Okay. But it's very Baz Luhrmann-ish, because like, like, they're all groundlings. The premise is only groundlings and pieces of shit go to the theater. That's a low, that's for low people. But then on stage, they're all in these flashy costumes and makeup right. and glitter and shit. So it looked cool to me. I just watched the trailer. But who knows? And American Gods, if you haven't seen the trailer for that, stop listening to this show and go fucking watch <laughs> it. Because it is amazing. But... Um, yeah, we're, let's, let's get to what we're all here for. Oh, is this what we're here for? Yes. Two hours later? Yes. All right. So, based on... Absolutely no information but the titles only. <laughs> I have my own reviews of some of these new shows. Uh, and I will try to get through them uh, and in between David's laughing because they will all be hilarious. Yes. Now I'll skip APB POS because uh, David ruined that one already. <laughs> and the one I already tweeted was pitch, please. <laughs> but here we go. 
You ready? Yeah, I'm trying not to look at your screen. You're okay. Room for me. American housewife, stay away from me. Bull. I was on board with Bull until I discovered it was not a spinoff of Night Court, so fuck that show. Okay. Doubt about the shittiness of this show? None whatsoever. <laughs> the Exorcist, much like your mother, it sucks cocks in hell. Great news, the great indoors and the good place should all be retitled to News, the indoors and the place. <laughs> I'm very happy about that one. Imaginary Mary, so bad it's scary. Kevin Can Wait, should have waited for a better script. Making history by being the shittiest show on television. Man with a plan, should be banned. No Tomorrow, which is the answer to the question, will this show be canceled today? Uh, That might be the winner. You think so? Uh, I like that one. Powerless... (laughs) Premiseless. <laughs> still star-crossed and still not interested. <laughs> this is us, and this is me, changing the channel. Time after time, unlike the Goonies, this show is not good enough. <laughs> that one's a thinker. Yeah. Uh, Trial and error, but mostly error. <laughs> Taken, the title refers to how you'll feel about the hour it took to watch the show. <laughs> and the Blacklist Redemption, more like the Blacklist Recycled. And last but not least, Marlon. And I have a brief statement I'd like to read. (laughs) The opportunities to shit on Marlon Wayans' new self-titled comedy are too abundant, and I cannot in good conscience make fun of such an easy target. It would, in effect, be shitting on a piece of shit. (laughs) And those are my reviews this season for all the new shows. Definitely hats off. Uh, Should we have told people at the beginning to skip to the end if they want to only hear that? <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah, so definitely no tomorrow and the great, great good are my two favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote those last night. And Bull, I was struggling to come up with Bull, and then the night court thing hit me. All right, so that's it. Next week, I'm going to watch The Night Of, which the finale is tonight. And from what I understand, this is just one season, right? Yeah, I think so. So it's going to be a great fucking finale for sure. And you, of course, want to watch another amazing, groundbreaking show that everyone is talking about. Yes, it also airs tonight. <laughs> Sunday night is the, the night for Prestige Absolutely. Television. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch the season seven premiere of The Great Food Truck Race on the Food Network. Yes. Yeah, so once again, thank you, everybody, for your support. David, thank you. I love you. And I, uh, you are like a brother to me. And I appreciate everything you have done and all my friends have done. And uh, I'm going to stick around. So thank you very yes. much. We are very, all very glad. I appreciate uh, it. Here. So if you were to give me some advice on how to best live my life, what would that be? Uh, you know, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you had to just boil it down to two words, what would you say? Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Suicide. Oh, do it. Teenage suicide. Oh, do it. Teenage suicide. Blue 
Yeah. Hey.